2: Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Radio.
0: It's the question that we all want to know. Does Ray Lewis get another Hall of Fame jacket since the first one is doused in sweat? I mean that was that was something, Mike. That that could that could feel like eerie, if you will, if you wanted. I mean to to wring that jacket out last night, even afterwards, sitting with all the Hall of Famers in theirs, there was a different tint of yellow on Ray Lewis's Hall of Fame jacket as he's now a Hall of Famer and about yeah, 10 pounds of sweat in that coat.
4: Well, that was one of the big questions coming out of this was when you saw all the interviews and and he's sitting around was it lighting? You know, did they have an extra spotlight on him? Was there some glow after his 33-minute sermon? Because he did have the mobile, you know, ha- put on the little headset microphone and started stalking the stage like no other. <laughs> but, you know, when it when it was all said and done, it's like, did they run out of fabric? So he got a different color coat. Uh, lots to it, but certainly a, a fun night. And uh, I lost because I, I really had the over. I really thought he was going to crush Brett Favre's 36-minute mark.
0: Seemed to be a concerted effort by the Hall to limit these Hall of Fame speeches, but the first time that I saw Ray Lewis with the wireless microphone headset was right after Randy Moss spoke, and they were going to commercial break, and it was right then, Mike, that I'm like, wow, he's got a headset on. This is this is going to be... He's going to do a
4: song and dance? Yeah, there is... He's going to have a J-Lo like choreographed
0: number together here? uh, And I did not think that it was going to be Sermon-esque. What I thought was he'll stand behind the podium but because Ray Lewis is Ray Lewis, the likelihood of him being able to stand behind that microphone, they'll just give him the, the wireless mic, turn the podium mic off, but keep him behind that so it looks. I had no idea that it was going to be front of the stage back and forth anthony robbins you know, i mean it was it was everywhere <laughs> it was it was i'll say this for as much as you want to hate it made 33 minutes seem a lot less than the 33 minutes that it was
4: i'll admit it is exactly what i anticipated remember when they were in the super bowl and the deer antler spray yes controversy here I mean, you were there you know covering yeah. media day the throng assembled there to find out what's Ray going to do, right? You had about four minutes of goofiness with our guy, Vic the Brick Jacobs, who was mm-hmm. out there from AM570 LA Sports here in Los Angeles. And then it became the, all right, who's going to ask the question? Guy next to me was the one who did it. He goes, ah, he hates me already anyway. So <laughs> he's the one that asked the question, what what did Ray Lewis do? Turned it into a sermon. Sure. So I went and did one-on-one interviews with the rest of the Baltimore yeah. Ravens. But that was exactly in line with what I expected for yesterday, the, the same type of deal. And, yes, the wireless headset and really like more a uh, uh, preaching in the pulpit than anything else.
0: Do you think that Brian Urlacher won the staring contest with a teleprompter? Because yeah. he did not veer. He was on that thing. It was boom. Like, there, there, there was... <laughs> laser focused on that teleprompter. I know he's yeah. a bear. <laughs> I know he's a bear, but don't they have like three prompters like left and yeah, right no, that you yeah, can all vary over.
4: from? Yeah, you can bounce a little bit back and oh. forth as you need to, right? The scroll at your at your pace as you go. Uh, Brian Urlacher gave you more of his family, more of his history yeah. in those 13, what it was, 13, 14 minutes than he ever had. A number of Chicago media on Twitter like I inter, you know saying I interviewed the guy 50 times. I only met him a couple of times. I, I can't pretend to know to know Brian at all. A couple of the training camp quick, you know, three questions here or whatever. But people who covered him day in day out, hundreds of interactions, so they had really no idea the man behind the man. You might know some of the data points, but not a lot. So him being in that space, yeah, I I figured that would not be the most comfortable For him, even though he does a little bit of broadcasting and does that, it's not the same as when you look at what Randy Moss and and Ray Lewis and the others.
0: Yeah, and I'm making fun, but Urlacher was also funny in his speech with the jokes that he had with his former teammates, and I I thought it was a good all-around effort. And and I don't want to say no disrespect to Terrell Owens, but it was good that they only had six speeches. Bobby Bethard, there was no speech for for him to give. A lot of the other speeches. Prior to Ray Lewis, Brian Dawkins had the longest speech of 21 minutes. I thought Randy Moss was entertaining. I thought it was a very good night in Canton, Ohio, and a very good night for Ray Lewis's dry cleaner. That's that's a very, very good night for that person.
4: I think they should put that jacket into the Hall of Fame as well. Just give him another one and just say, here is record set. <laughs> that, that this jacket. And then that is saying, easy, what was a really good idea. What was the original weight? Of the fabric and the jacket versus sweat-soaked, and then that becomes part of the sports science type process, you know?
0: (laughs) Oh, that is a very good idea. Coming up later in the program, we are going to tell you how Randy Moss actually threw some shade at Terrell Owens. We're going to get to that later on, but we'll have Hall of Fame NFL preview, that and a whole lot more coming up here on Fox Sports Sunday. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. We'll give you an update on the Ohio State situation. And right now, let's cook up some hot takes and sausage on this morning of August 5th. Our executive producer is Ryan Dennis. Our technical producer,
5: Sam Kinsley, Iowa Sam, the Wizard. What's up, fellas? I'd like to know what was more uh, sweat uh, sweat soaked uh, the Tennessee orange Tennessee jacket that Bruce Pearl wore or uh, Mister mm, uh, Ray Lewis's. That's jacket? pretty good. Good yeah.
0: question. Good question. I will say this: I think that Ray's was a little bit tighter. Ray's entire back was gold, like it was a yellowish jacket, but his entire back was was drenched. I would have to say, I'm going to say Ray. That would just be my guess over Bruce Pearl in that orange blazer.
4: Well, and there's also a little more activity back and forth, and and really just getting getting things flowing. There's uh, for a lot of standing, and so you, you're worried a little bit about the sweat flowing from him. But yeah, it, I don't know. I'll take the yellow off yellow versus the orange.
0: He's Mike Carmen I'm Dan Byer. That's Ryan Dennis. That's Sam Kinsley. This is the time where Ryan serves up a top a topic for Mike and I to discuss, and then Ryan gets to pick a winner. Right, simple as that, Ryan? Huh?
5: Yes, simple as that. And I'll just say this real quick. You know, it was nice to see a, the Hall of Fame where, you know, the majority of players I grew up watching. So it was it was great seeing all those guys and one of my fan favorites, obviously Brian Dawkins. Yes, yeah,
4: psychologically, you'll get to a bad place with this, uh, really fast, Ryan. <laughs> Let me tell you, Dan What's and up? I, Dan and I have had to deal with the guys we watched their entire careers go into the Hall of Fame for a couple of years now. That doesn't make you feel good. It might have the first no. or second time it might, but when you start seeing juniors popping up in major league baseball, and you remember dad's entire yeah. career? It's
5: not a good yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right on that. I guess I need to wait <laughs> wait, you know, maybe next season we'll see. Hey, Jerry Rice said on Papa and Bonta that he would choose Terrell Owens if he had to pick between Owens or Randy Moss. Probably a smart decision considering he did actually play with Terrell Owens. But I'll ask you guys the same similar question. If you were starting a franchise or building your franchise around a guy, <laughs> considering both guys and all that happened in their career, who are you picking, Randy Moss or Terrell Owens? Dan.
0: I, I don't want to sit on the fence on this, but I do think some of it has to go with your quarterback. But if I wanted a guy who I felt could run more routes and do different things, It would actually be Terrell Owens. I know that Randy Moss could take the top off of a defense and could be a quarterback's best friend by just being the mismatch nightmare that he is, but I think that Terrell Owens would be more of the complete wide receiver and route runner and the different things that you would want from a wide receiver. So I would have to go with Terrell Owens just for the simple fact of that. I don't think there was a better deep ball guy than Randy Moss ever in the NFL and red zone threat, but if you want to take the entire 100 yards of a football field, heck, 120 yards because of the end zones, I think you got to go with Terrell Owens over Randy Moss.
4: Yeah, jumping off your your point, you, you included the quarterback situation to it. and We certainly saw that at play a number of times with Terrell Owens. That's the the biggest knock I have on him. You know, everything else, the theatrics and and all all of that, I'm, I'm good with. It's the Jeff Garcia and Donovan McNabb interactions that you're still trying to wrap your head around. How anybody can push that away. You know, and I think that's when you go into the voting for the Hall of Fame, what came back on him. But you look at a guy that in the end zone, the physicality. Randy Moss, a lot of a lot of the big top over the top plays, right? Moss and toss, glitter, glitter, gloss, gloss. I catch a beat runner. Like Randy, Randy Moss. I mean, you got it in wraps. You know. Oh,
0: now he's going to win. So, so you,
4: <laughs> Hey, you know what? Sometimes you just go for the, uh, the easy, easy Yeah. By the way, they're, they're replaying the Northwestern-Michigan game, so I, I got some good uh, viewing here in the Geico studios as well. But the other thing is, Terrell Owens, say what you will, and obviously a truculent figure, we'll use the $5 word, he never quit on a team. Now, with Randy Moss in Oakland, Andrew Walter was his quarterback in that 2006 season, and they, they were far less efficient. What, it was Aaron Brooks and Andrew Walter. So I can understand the frustration, but he flat-out quit for much of that season and gave up. That's something Terrell Owens, even to his final days when he was running around in a Bengals uniform, never did. Played on a broken leg tried to to will through things that are part of his history that get kind of pushed aside. And, oh, yeah, I was there for his 20-catch game against the hapless Bears offense and Cade McDowell that couldn't get past midfield. A little bitter there? A little bitter much. You know what was great about that, though? They gave away <laughs> a, a flip book of the catch. Oh, sure. And this was when eBay was really starting yeah. to percolate. A lot of people didn't care for the flip book, so they left them under their seats. Really? So I collected probably about 50 of those things. And
5: and was selling them
4: at about thirty bucks a pop. For there you a while. go.
5: It's like the Kobe Jeez. final letter or whatever. Exactly. People just left them. You know. Oh, no, I was so up.
4: so angry. I because I, I had tickets for that game. Uh, Marianne ended up getting sick, so we didn't go. So I gave the tickets to someone. I said, "Get me as many letters as you could." And the woman that was handing them out was like, "How many do you want?" She goes, "I'll just take my my two. You know, one for her and one for the seat." am mm-hmm. like I told you to get as many as you could. <laughs> and then they were selling for like 400 bucks. I'm like,
5: "You cost me my child's education." All right, well, it's tough for me, guys, between Randy Moss and Terrell Owens, but Terrell Owens, he was one of the like reasons I started loving football in his early Niners days. So, I almost bought a Niners Owens jersey back in the day, How about but that? Uh, I'm going to go with uh Terrell Owens, so we'll go with Dan on this Ooh, one. Oh,
0: interesting. Even with the rap, Mike
4: doesn't win. Ah. Huh. So I should have just picked Randy Moss on the other <laughs> side. Just to- that was
1: very impressive, Mike. Yeah,
4: impressive. I, re- I really thought the argument was pretty good yeah, too, Dan. Yeah, I mean, not I mean, just the rap. Yeah,
0: usually the rap <laughs> gets it done. I when you look at Randy Moss when he came on the scene in 1998, you remember that the Vikings had Chris Carter and Jake Reed.
4: Oh, I love Jake Reed.
0: And you're like, wow, that that is amazing that he could become the superstar that he was in in that. And then you realize. Oh, Terrell Owens allowed the 49ers to move on from Jerry Rice. So you think of you think of how their careers evolved, and it's both. It's 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 pretty astonishing, and and that's why when we argued and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Mike, that's why I think T.O. is so mad, and that's why I think that he separated is because Randy Moss didn't have to wait. Now that I'm trying to bring up this take again, it was a good take a lot, and, and I
4: think it was it was a unique perspective on this that I don't. I don't think anybody jumped on. I it, think this is uniquely yours.
0: Dan. It's it's so a lot ahead. it's a lot closer than people would want to think that it is. And I think that in Terrell Owens's mind is that he was a better all-around wide receiver than Randy Moss and if he wasn't better, he was the same in in T.O.'s mind. Now I'm sure T.O. probably, you know, feels that he was better, but to see all of the wide receivers in the past that had to wait, I mean, we are talking Marvin Harrison, and before that, Andre Reid, and and Chris Carter. We'll go Moss's back to Lynn teammate. Swan, Stallworth, go yes, back to a lot of yes. those guys. And, and to sit there and say now there's only two first-time ballot Hall of Famers at wide receiver, Jerry Rice and Randy Moss, I think Terrell Owens felt that he should have been the third. Just go back to 2010,
4: the last year of Terrell Owens' career. I, I went to training camp. I was there for a few days watching him dominate. He finished with nearly 1,000 yards. And over seventy receptions, and then was out of the league.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know there was production. There was. It wasn't like he had four hundred and twenty-two yards and you know on thirty-eight catches. That was. Yeah, it was not that at all. There was actually production, and and uh, maybe maybe not substantial, but darn near quality. Heck, you were this close to having a tops one thousand yard uh, receiving card. Remember exactly. Those good, yeah. good work. Good he, reference. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Bayer. This is Fox Sports Sunday, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. So what's it like to be enshrined in Canton? One of the newest members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Tells us next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Bayer. If you want to reach us on Twitter, you can always do that. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. Mike, where can they get you at? Find me
4: over at Swollen Dome. And hey, you- we're brought to you by Geico. Oh, my bad. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance? Means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago.
0: The reason I was interrupting Mike was I wanted to tell you that you can always listen to the show on the iHeartRadio app and SiriusXM channel 83. And if you ever missed the show... Don't worry, we got you covered. Just go to iTunes, subscribe to Fox Sports Radio Weekends, download the show every single week. It's as simple as that. Coming up in a little bit, hope to talk to one of the newest members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, something looking forward to, speaking with Andrea Kramer, who was given the Pete Rozelle Radio TV Award from the Pro Football Hall of Fame yesterday. So there was a, a lot going on in Canton, and i um, curious son. You know, what goes along with that? Because there's usually parties Friday night that, to get everybody excited. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there were parties last night. And parties probably still going yeah. <laughs> very early here on a <laughs> yeah. Sunday morning I don't know maybe, on the West Coast. Now that there's no game on Sunday anymore, maybe it's now time to make their way out of Canton. But would love to get the lowdown on what it's like. Not only to go to a Pro Football Hall of Fame, not only to cover a Pro Football Hall of Fame, but to be a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which Andy Rick. Kramer will be.
4: Yeah, I tried to figure out how to make that work to go see, uh, well, and celebrate with all those Bears fans, because I figured a couple of days immersed in that kind of environment, my Chicago accent would really get to be nice and thick again, as it is right now, as I go for the affected uh, accent, because it was voted the least attractive accent in the United States in, a, in recent polls. So, I mean, I that, know that that's a hard home. thing. Yeah. That, that's, that's hard, especially, you know, Labor Day weekend, thinking of heading home for a few days. I figure I might be able to pick a little of that up just in time for football season. But what was interesting is a lot of the discussion that flew out of the Hall of Fame, other than the speeches themselves, were the Hall of Fame members and how they were conducting themselves, whether they were having conversations. Or, in a lot of cases, guys weren't on the stage at all. Mm-hmm. Right? There were a lot of empty seats, and one of those where you can't very easily just go and get rid of the empties to not draw attention to things. You got a lot of guys that are advanced in their years and sitting out in hundred degree heat is not yeah, exactly that's the, advisable. Yeah,
0: that's the issue that, that to and it's because it was like one
4: hundred seven able... back in Chicago. I know it was miserable and sticky there as well.
0: Yeah the the fact is 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 that it gets just uh it, it gets super super hot and to sit there and and stay through everything very very difficult. the The fact of the matter is is for some of the guys to even make it through the entire weekend as well. You know, I mean. Gosh, now they're they're like, all right, it's six o'clock, them, and maybe going at it a little bit tougher from Friday night into Saturday. You kind of need that that extra rest.
4: Keep piling on the uh, sideline IV like product. Instead, <laughs> you got a bunch of medics on staff.
0: <laughs> like, what's he doing? Got to give him some fluids. You know, there there was uh, you know maybe that's what Terrell Owens at least had the advantage yesterday when he spoke at uh, UT Chattanooga and his having his Hall of Fame celebration and ceremonies at his alma mater. But what I thought was interesting, and I'm not sure how many people caught on to this. There was a a point in yesterday's ceremony where Randy Moss, I felt, threw some shade at Terrell Owens. And Randy Moss, during his speech, was talking about a lot of different things and talking about growing up and, and coming up in the state of West Virginia. So... This is a point that Randy Moss made in his speech yesterday that I think that you need to listen, because to me, Mike, it is a direct shot at Terrell Owens. This is Randy Moss yesterday.
1: We have one well-knitted community, and from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank my community and the state for all the love and support. It really means a lot to me. And with all that said... I'm bringing this gold jacket back tomorrow at the town center, 4:30. All y'all West Virginians want to see this gold jacket. Meet me at the town center tomorrow at 4:30.
0: 4:30 Eastern, 2:30 Mountain. Just to clarify, just you know, 2:30 Mountain, uh, the yes, official, <laughs> the official time zone of Fox Sports Sunday. <laughs> but the the point is, I love the energy that Randy Moss had. I loved how you wanted to share it with commu- with his community and where with the people that that he knew growing up and where he came from. That was the whole argument with Terrell Owens. Was it wasn't that we thought you were being selfish by not going to the Hall of Fame? And Mike, I think it looked to be like there was, Terrell was trying to craft an argument of saying, "No, I just want to celebrate with with the people who got me here and helped me and make it, you know, that special day." That's exactly what Randy Moss is doing the day after the Hall of Fame ceremony. And to make that announcement, in a way, to me, was directly at Terrell Owens of saying, guess what? You could have had your own celebration at Tennessee Chattanooga at 430 on Sunday, just like Randy Moss is back in uh, having back in West Virginia. I thought that that point was a, a shot at Terrell Owens to be like, hey, this is how you could have done it. Because that was the point with me. You could have had a. You could have had a celebration at any point to do it on the day because you were mad at the at the voters. Ridiculous.
4: Well, as you you made out the the parallel we talked about a little bit earlier of comparing careers and what they meant and and Terrell Owens to a degree feeling slighted and calling out the media for holding him back for what was the perception, mm-hmm. maybe reality in some cases. We certainly saw a lot play out in public what or normal locker room issues, right? And we mentioned before the Garcia and and McNabb incidences are, are the ones that are first and foremost against all these other problems that players have had. Just look straight at Ray Lewis. Doesn't stop him from getting into the hall right away. Why? Because as they say, it's supposed to be what's on the field only. But the parallels between Owens and Moss, very, very, very much aligned, just not only in their overall production, obviously the same position, but their backgrounds, talking about their their history and and where they come from, and this is an opportunity for Randy Moss to to take his mm-hmm. shot at Terrell Owens, who who had more people in, at his attendance. So Smith owes me breakfast or lunch or something. <laughs> he, he said there wasn't going to be much. There were a couple of thousand people there. I mean, not a you know, jam-packed auditorium altogether, a basketball arena, but it's a pretty sizable crowd to, to come listen to the Terrell Owens, and he had some great words about community and this is us and, and a lot of what Randy Moss said in his speech, so I think if you line them up side by side, there, there's a lot of a lot of parallels that they were drawing in terms of how their lives and careers came to take shape, and, you know, you look at some of the troubles that Randy Moss had going back to his collegiate days to to get back on the the straight uh, and, and narrow road to to have the career that he did, pretty amazing. You know, got got a couple of extra chances to do right and did so, uh, and then took an opportunity to wear a tie. Didn't make the big statement, but wore the tie, galling to the. You know, again yeah. the that, what became known as the quote national anthem controversy, but slain African Americans uh, by in police custody, so having a bit of a political uh, and social statement in there as well. But the shot about uh, at Terrell Owens is is certainly uh, I think got glossed over yesterday. Uh, but good catch by you. I,
0: I will say this: I remember graduating high school, and I don't know for anybody out there who graduated high school. I don't know how many people said, you know what. I'm not going to my ceremony. We're going out to the cottage and having our own celebration for me. Like nobody, nobody does that. You know what you do? You have graduation parties every darn weekend for the entire month of June and into July. That is what you do when you graduate high school. You don't say, you know, I'm going to do my own thing over at the house here. You guys can go and do that diploma stuff all you want. I'm celebrating me with my family. That, that, That you have parties to celebrate at other places. Terrell Owens could have done this today. He could have done this next weekend. He could have done it the weekend prior if he wanted to. Maybe the gold jacket wouldn't have been there. There were plenty of opportunities for him to to have this celebration and to kind of, I don't want to say that he's hiding behind it because he's came out and said, I don't like how the media has handled this and it is not in the goals and the aim of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well. You're really turning your back at the Pro Football Hall of Fame because the 40 media members don't care if you show up or not. So yeah, they, I think
4: the thing that that I hated most about the entire process was just the Hall of Fame's response. They did the two to three minute montage video and tribute, whatever else. His bust wasn't up uh, with in line with the others, but they they got petty just in the messaging back and forth. Like he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, forever. you So you didn't need to do that now because he's still part of your yep. fraternity so why why continue the acrimony and, and why not try to fig- figure out how to build that bridge after this weekend and all of the pageantry and circ- pomp and circumstance goes away? it wouldn't
0: have it wouldn't have hurt anything if they put his face on the screen that they had shown so many times of the the guys who were going to be enshrined because and you know they did it in the order of right. of the speeches so then you know at the end you had Rain, you know Brian Dawkins Randy Moss and, and Ray Lewis on the bottom there was room for one more one more face there and that would have been you know Terrell Owens face so they they definitely could have done that i did think it was uh, you know for organizations to send reporters just to terrell owens is I, I don't know if it was overkill mike that's not the word but the point being is if it was, I don't know. If Brian Erleiker did this, would there be a reporter there? I, I, I in would New think Mexico. you'd still
4: have somebody. Send. I don't know. If there would.
0: I, I'm not sure if there would. And that's the only thing is I'm like, are we feeding into To of being To by, you know, by covering the event the way that it was?
4: Yeah, and I know they want to. Well, and that, that's certainly the case, right? Is is that you help empower that a, a bit more? Mm-hmm. But certainly from the Hall of Fame perspective, I, I understand that this is where they make their money. This is where a lot of the Guys enshrined make a lot of their money with card signings and whatever else and, you know, autograph sessions to to boot. So I know from a marketing and merchandising standpoint, that's the main reason they're unhappy that Terrell Owens did this because you might have other guys in future years do the same thing. And and now they're making money on because T.O. had a pretty nifty logo created for this that I'm sure sold some merch. I think Ryan Dennis has a has a shirt. It on actually,
0: it looked like the old uh, was it the old uh, Denver Nuggets pick kind of that they had. Oh, nicely had. Done. Yeah, if you look, it's it's very similar. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Bayer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. I hope to catch you up with Andrea Kramer at some point uh, during today's program. But coming up next, one former teammate of Cam Newton wishes he never was a teammate of Cam Newton. We'll explain why next after Isaac Lowenkron gives us the latest and well, was a busy night in the NFL, but also on Major League Baseball. Hello, Isaac.
3: Hello. Good morning, Dan and Michael. Ken Rosenthal of Fox Sports and The Athletic reporting Saturday night that Angels manager Mike Sosha is expected to step down at the end of the season. In his 19th campaign, Socha is the longest tenured active manager in the majors and the second longest tenured manager or head coach in professional sports in San Antonio's Greg Popovich. Glad I don't have any idea what
4: you're talking about.
3: Anyway, Socias' decision not to pursue a new deal would be his alone and not not the result of pressure from the club, according to Rosenthal. So she said in a text message to ESPN's Alden Gonzalez Saturday night, "quote I am focused on this year and will talk to Angels owner Artie Moreno after the season." Unquote. On the field Saturday night, the world champion Houston Astros destroyed the Dodgers fourteen to nothing. Also Saturday night indeed, the class of 2018 inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton consisting of Bobby Beathard, Robert Brazil, Brian Dawkins, Jerry Kramer, Ray Lewis, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, and Brian Urlacher. Football did not define me, but it clearly has helped me be a better man. Its core values aren't
0: simple football values, they are life values. In applying what I learned in football to the rest of my life, I have discovered we all win. For someone as competitive as I am, that victory means everything to me.
3: So Dan and Michael, a memorable evening in Canton that could not even be spoiled by the sight of Bill Belichick in flip-flops. Back to you. <laughs> Thanks, Isaac. That
4: was a good touch to the Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremonies. Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick, as much maligned as they are, showing up for Randy Moss—that's kind of a big deal.
0: There were a bunch of coaches that. Uran uh, Rivera was mm-hmm. there to see uh, to see Brian Erlacher there. Uh, Gosh, I'm totally obviously the Ravens were there. Uh, John Harbaugh and ownership to see, to see Lewis and other and others, and they played in the game on Thursday, so there was reason for them. But yeah, it was it was good to see. It was I always like that when coaches realize and take time out of their own camps to go and honor former players just to make that special trip. Hey, they're able to. Most of them are able to. Sure. But financially I, to I think you okay. can miss a couple hours. Yeah. I think yeah. it's okay. Yeah, so I thought that that was, that was neat to see. With the Hall of Fame going on yesterday, the induction ceremonies. By the way, this is Fox Sports Sunday. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. With the Hall of Fame ceremonies going on, we were focusing on the stars of the past in the National Football League over this weekend, but there was some news involving one of the stars of the present in the NFL, and that is one Cam Newton. And it's nothing that Cam did, but it's what someone said about the Panthers quarterback, and that someone is his former teammate, current Bills wide receiver Calvin Benjamin. Benjamin, speaking with The Athletic, said this, "Quotes. looking back on it, I should have been drafted by somebody else. I should have never went to Carolina. Truly, I just think Carolina was bad for me. He went on to say, in addition to it being a bad fit, quote, if you would have put me with any other quarterback, any other accurate quarterback like Rodgers or Eli Manning or Big Ben, anybody, quarterbacks with knowledge that know how to place a ball and give you a better chance to catch the ball. That's what Kelvin Benjamin wanted in talking about his time in playing with Cam Newton in the Carolina Panthers.
4: I enjoy this. Hit record and just let him vent. Uh, holding it all in. Now I'm free. Hate me or love me. Oh, He's gonna hate life this week, this year from the Fox quarterbacks. He's got rolling. Yeah, you'll hate rolling it from Aaron Aaron the Fox Buffalo. Sports
0: Radio studios. He might
4: too. <laughs> I mean, between AJ McCarron and eventually Josh Allen and a bad offensive line, and really not a lot around him. Uh, It's going to be interesting. Benjamin also in the process. So he was 28th overall by the Panthers in that 2014 draft. Quote, I feel I'm the best one that came out of that class. They were just putting better opportunities to have success. If You notice at the end of the day, my rookie year, I was the only one to go to the playoffs. Now he's referring to fellow draft classmates, Sammy Watkins, big-time cash, Odell Beckham Jr. waiting on big-time cash. Brandon Cooks just broke the bank here in Los Angeles, uh, saying that he's better than all of those guys. Cam Newton with a career 58.5% completion percentage. Not a guy that's really worked into the check down mode well. That's something they're really trying to get him to do this year with Turner uh, in to help uh, be a a bit of a whisperer for him, maybe more McCaffrey. So it'll be interesting to see how that backfield plays out. We talked about it last week. C.J. Anderson, a guy you gotta make sure you're keeping an eye on in your fantasy drafts. But it's the the idea that you're you're trying to figure out how to, how to get the most out of Cam Newton and what's left of his last probably two three years of where he's you know in this type of physical condition, given the amount of pounding he takes on a week to week basis.
0: Well, I look at Calvin Benjamin, and I know it's as you mentioned, it's all about the contracts that are coming up and what you're going to want to make on your next deal. Calvin Benjamin's injury history is probably the biggest sure. red flag on all of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly it is. And the guys that are getting the contracts, whether it be a Brandon cooks and we know how, how, how good Odell Beckham jr. is. I'm sorry for his, whatever situation you wanted to put Calvin Benjamin in. He wasn't going to do what Odell Beckham jr. Did, but so much has been made, you know, LeBron James has been in the news a lot lately for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that has happened recently was a speech that was recorded about saying, know your role. If you don't have a role on this team, you know, coaching his basketball. Talking about his kids' team, yeah. yeah. Go play tennis or golf. And Calvin Benjamin needs to realize that. It wasn't going to be the Calvin Benjamin show in Carolina. I know that he wants to go to a place where it would have been the Calvin Benjamin show, but realistically, what better option could you get for a quarterback whose accuracy is maybe the the weakest part of his game in Cam Newton you want an enormous target a red zone target that can take that catch radius and make it a lot bigger for an, an inaccurate toss quarterback toss it up let him go play yeah exactly. yeah that's so that's what the what the reasoning is of of bringing in someone like Cam Newton is or excuse me of Calvin Benjamin because it helps a quarterback like Cam Newton who may not be as accurate on certain throws I just don't like to hear because I the Panthers. In, in just the plain arguments, and you hear this from a lot of Panther fans because D'Angelo Williams even tweeted out that maybe he was along with, with Calvin Benjamin's thinking, the Panther fans are saying, we got the farthest in our franchise than we ever did without you. You didn't play that season that you, we ended up going to the Super Bowl and playing the Denver Broncos. You weren't around for that entire year when we were one of the highest scoring offenses that, that you've seen in the history of the NFL. You They were they were." darn good on offense with a really really great defense as well all of which without Calvin Benjamin and it's just that point Mike that makes it hard for me to feel sorry for Calvin Benjamin that he's not getting that big deal because you have a role you were set to play that role and there was success in some of the times that he was playing there but then I'll be sour that you're not going to get the contract you want because of Cam Newton you almost got a Super Bowl ring because of Cam Newton you didn't play it down yeah I'm on I'm on it's it's unfair criticism, I, I I think to, you know, to, to Cam Newton in this. Even though it's a fair criticism to say that his accuracy may be the biggest issue, I just don't sit there and say, "Oh, I wish I never played for with Cam Newton."
4: Yeah, diving on uh, on the ball and accuracy issues; those are the two. Yeah, things. that for Cam be, Newton yeah. that that'll stay there forever. But yeah, I mean, you look at Benjamin's injury history and the the fact that he. We were talking about before, right, Randy Moss versus Terrell Owens in terms of being a complete receiver. Moss was a game changer and would take over. Benjamin had the size and athleticism, and when he came into the league, it was mm-hmm. this is the type of player he could be. Obviously not going to be a one-to-one comparison to Moss, but the idea is with that body, with with the ability to just go up and get it, that he'd become one of those dominant forces. And you look at his rookie year, you go back 1,000 yards, On 146 targets, 73 catches, and nine touchdowns. Seven touchdowns in 2016. Obviously, missed the 2015 campaign. That there were glimpses of it, but he was never a consistent guy. And and it's the day and age of just throw me the damn ball, Keyshawn Johnson, Mm -hmm. like you know Randy Moss or or Calvin Johnson or any of those guys that needed to be fed. 15 yeah. times, that, that's not there. You still have parts of it, right? Odell Beckham Jr., a little <laughs> bit with Julio Jones and whatever, but but it's not as prevalent. Spreading the ball around, taking the check down, and then taking your occasional shot downfield is the way it works. For Kelvin, Kelvin Benjamin, until he became that all-round wide receiver, that that wasn't going to lift his game. I mean, how many shots downfield can you take?
0: Well, and I look at at the, the size of the wide receiver as well when we talked about Cam's inaccuracy. Why does a guy of that size, of Calvin Benjamin, not only height-wise, Mike, but just physically, because he's a bigger guy? He's he's you don't need an accurate pass, you don't need it to to be threaded. And and then the, the last part of this, when he was naming quarterbacks, Eli Manning led Man- the yeah. NFL in interceptions three <laughs> times in his career, I, and so I know that there's an OBJ connection there, right? But when you're thinking of guys, yeah, Rogers was a good pick. <laughs> you could have gone Brady if you wanted to. Maybe steer away from the Eli Manning angle. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. One of the most familiar faces in baseball could be gone in the near future. We'll tell you who that is next year on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Beyer. Love to hear your feedback. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. Mike, where are you at? You can find me over at Swollen Dome. The toss-up question for hot takes and sausage first time around, who would you take, Randy Moss or Terrell Owens, if you had the pick? I know who I would take. I'd take Isaac Lowenkron. Option C is How about that? He gets us caught up to date of what was happening while you were sleeping last night.
3: Hello, Isaac. Hello, Dan and Michael. Indeed, I've been option C in so many categories of life <laughs> over the years, but ever since 2000, there's only been one option in Anaheim. That would be Mike Sosha as the manager of the Angels, but apparently no more after this season. While you were sleeping Saturday night, Ken Rosenthal of Fox Sports and The Athletic reported that Socha is expected to step down at the end of the season. According to Ro- Rosenthal, his decision not to pursue a new deal would be his alone and not the result of pressure from the club. Socha himself said in a text message as the story came out after he'd already left the stadium after their loss to Cleveland last night, he said in a text message to Alden Gonzalez of ESPN, quote, I am focused on this year and will talk to Angels owner Artie Moran after the season, unquote.
0: I will say this. I thought when I heard the news, it was going to be, it's maybe going to take the angle of, you know, this is the end of an era. This is, we're not going to see this. This is sports these days. You're not going to see coaches sticking around for a while. No, you're going to see coaches stick a while as long as ownership sticks with them. We've seen it with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We talked about this with the Yankees a couple of weeks ago and when the Cardinals let go of Mike Matheny. As long as the owner and the ownership believe in the coach, manager, whatever the case may be, in this day and age, you can have guys stick around for 10, 15, 20 years. I just wonder, Mike Harmon, is is all of the talk about Mike Trout and the not only the publicity, but the lack of success that we are now starting to put on the shoulders of Mike Trout and what he has done, is that starting to filter down to the manager?
4: Well, I think that's got a lot to do with it. The quote wasted years of Mike Trout's prime and the end of Albert Pujols and what they haven't accomplished with the two of those guys in the lineup. Now you add Shohei Ohtani and the radar uh, globally Mm -hmm. is on the angels for what they do on a day-to-day basis. So I I think there's something to that. 80-82 and last year, 74-88 the year before. And then you had a a run of of several years in a row with one exception where you were looking at 85-90 to plus wins. So recent successes. But... Still, only that one banner to hang, and a division that's gotten that much more difficult
3: to navigate. Also, Saturday night. A... Uh, oh, Isaac, oh, go quickly, ahead. Dan.
0: Yeah, it sounds like his uh, social security has run out.
3: Yeah! yeah. Why did not I come up with that? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> oh. nicely one. done. Well, a game that would make a manager want to retire happened a little bit north up the five on Saturday night while you were sleeping. Astros and Dodgers. This was actually just a one nothing game until the sixth inning when the Astros scored four runs to take a five nothing lead, and it was still five nothing going into the eighth when it got kind of crazy. One one, Reddick, and Josh drills this deep to right field, and you can kiss that goodbye. A three run home run for Josh Reddick,
0: and the Astros can. Continue to pour it on in LA. They lead this one
3: 12 to nothing. Robert Ford, the call on KBME. So a seven-run eighth made it 12 nothing, and then in the ninth, the cherry on top of the parfait. Two-one delivery, and that is drilled deep to left-center field, and you can
0: kiss that goodbye. Jake Marisnick goes yard
3: for the second time on this road trip. His ninth home run of the year, and it is 14-0 Astros. That would be the final in the Dodgers' worst shutout loss at home in 95 years. That is fertilizer. Indeed, it was July 22nd, 1923, when the Dodgers, then known as the Brooklyn Robins, lost 14-0 at Ebbets Field to a Boston Braves team featuring the likes of Hod Ford and and Stuffy McInnes. Gotta love that nickname, Stuffy. <laughs> Those are some great
0: names. That's pretty amazing. The, the oh, Hod Ford, is that what it was? Hodford. Ford. Hod Ford. Hod Ford. Right. I like that. But get, yeah. get a new 2019 Hod Ford. <laughs> Had <laughs> a lot of questions. Fun fire this morning.
4: But while he's, you know, punny yeah. on, on a Sunday morning. Hey, we're coming to, from the Geico studio. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes. You could save 15% or more on car insurance.
0: I'll say it right now. The NBA's Western Conference playoffs that we had this year going to be the AL. The, the American League playoffs are going to be amazing. World Series, who knows? Rolling along on this Sunday morning, I want to let everyone know that in three weeks, we are going to do a special fantasy football episode of Fox Sports Sunday. Yeah, buddy, it's that time. I don't know. It's been, gosh... 10 years, 11 years. How many years have you been doing the fantasy football show here on Fox Sports Radio? Something in that ballpark. Something about that, yeah. Yeah. I'd have to go back and do the math. That sounds about right. This is going to be my, it's hard to believe, but I think this is going to be my fourth year of doing fantasy football. Yeah, of of doing. So I'm excited for the season. We always do it weeks one through 17, a special fantasy football only show here on Fox Sports Radio. But coming up in three weeks, August 26th, we're going to get you set for your fantasy football draft three hours of full fantasy football to get you ready for the upcoming 2018 season. So I want to let you know about that.
4: Very excited. Starting to get the draft guides together. I'm doing an event down in San Diego, so starting to get the name list, starting to put together some top tens. A lot of content coming up at Swollen Dome on Twitter. Dan and I very excited to be with you once again as this football season gets rolling. A lot of interesting little storylines starting to percolate. That's part of our fantasy uh, segment for today. But, you know, the draft board looking a lot different for 2018 than it has
0: in years past. It's been an interesting week. Not only did the NFL season really feel like it was starting with preseason football, but you have the scandal at Ohio State. And also, you have the Trump, the Donald Trump tweet, as President Trump yeah. tweeted, uh, taking a shot at LeBron James and his intelligence, and also adding, I like Mike, which is something that you and Jason Smith talked about, I know, a whole bunch on Friday night about the the real point of the I like Mike message at the end of the Trump tweet.
4: Yeah, you can find the full podcast uh, on foxsportsradio.com. You can find it on iTunes. Look for the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Look, the I like Mike, people just took it as the baseline, here's the goat conversation, which is just, that's lazy. It, this was very much the stay in your lane, dribble a basketball, going back to the Laura Ingram comments from a few months ago. The same same idea of, you know, we, we deal in politics, you deal in basketball, you stay, stay there. Because Michael Jordan, the biggest criticism that was always made of him was what? Didn't take a stand on anything politically. Famously talked about how everybody buys shoes, whether they're Republican or Democrat or anything else. So not to anger anybody. So LeBron James, and let, let's call it what it is, LeBron James, as as Whatever you want to say about Donald Trump and his comment, and there's a lot of different angles to it, one, from the political side, two, there's there's the racial component that, that can't be understated between linking him and Don Lem- Lemon and going into intelligence. He did it to Maxine Waters, go through that entire process. But LeBron James calling him a bum and doing interviews of that ilk, you know President Trump's going to clap back eventually. It took a few days to to it, get through yeah, the DVR or whatever. It's Friday, yeah. Yeah, but eventually it becomes Friday night, and that's the thing that carries into the weekend. But it, it's that that type of flow you feed into what has become the the means of communication. And for those that try to dismiss it as oh, it's just Twitter, no, Twitter, Twitter's as as few people are on it. Whatever, eight percent, ten percent, they about of the population it's enough to where it does bubble up back into basic media and into your cable news and into your local news and newspapers and everything else that it doesn't get confined to a bubble to be so easily and categorically dismissed as one would want.
0: Michael Jordan did release a statement through a spokesperson yesterday saying, "Quote, I support LeBron James. He's doing an amazing job for his community." End quote. That was Michael Jordan being roped into this situation. There is one, there is one group that i think was wow we are benefiting from this tweet and it was had nothing to do with donald trump i think it had everything to do with the nfl sure if 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 the president wants to focus on lebron james in the nba no matter how ridiculous you think his his statements may be about lebron james the fact is is the nba or the nfl is sitting there saying well now he's got a different target to go after Maybe the NFL is saying, well, we're just not going to talk about the anthem. We're going to tell the owners to shut up about it. We're going to have discussions, but we're not going to make this a conversation anymore about the anthem protests. Maybe this will go away. And I think when they see the tweet, they say, oh, okay, maybe now the president's site set on the NBA. I think there were NFL owners that saw that and said. Okay, all right, yeah, keep doing that. You know, go over there. Opportunity for the ball to move away,
4: right? Because one of the biggest criticisms about Roger Goodell uh, recently, and there have been many for many of the things handled or mishandled, depending on your point of view, that this is one where silence was oft criticized. Like, what is the official statement coming out of the league office? We've certainly heard from the Players Association in terms of the policy. We had Jerry Jones speaking out, and we would find out later that the league and everybody's trying to get him to be quiet because that was the the rule while this was all figured out. Just just keep your mouth shut and go about your business, which he he didn't do. So for the league to to stay silent and that's been their their mo, it's the right to do it. Now it's on Adam Silver who released a statement, and and the the ball at least has moved from the the gridiron to the court at least for the time being.
0: He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. This is Fox Sports Sunday coming to live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit for a free rate quote. Let's serve them up again. Another edition of Hot Takes and Sausage. And I feel bad because today I took the extra syrup from the hot cakes that Mike Carmen brought in. The score right now when it comes to syrup packets... Dan two, Sam zero. You Sam, took, you took two, Dan.
5: Yeah, that's that was oh. that's why one was
0: missing. You still you got hear? pancakes? Yeah. Did you I not did. listen?
5: I, I did, and they're delicious, buttered sausage and pancakes. <laughs> you <laughs> still <laughs> got fed, that's, Sam. That's scr- my bad. All right, Harman, chill out. That's, <laughs>
0: that's my bad. So I I took uh, technical producer Sam thief over there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize it. I used one, poured it out, and then I'm like, all right, there's another one, and then I saw another package in there, and I'm like, ooh. So exec- you know, yeah, yeah,
5: my pancakes could be extra, specially, uh, uh syrupy today. Hey, <laughs> and Sam, you get nothing.
0: We're, we're looking, we're we're looking out for your health.
5: I appreciate that. The uh, my the
0: diabetes. Executive, there, executive producer is Ryan Dennis. He gives us a topic that Mike and I discuss, and Ryan gets to pick a winner. I am up one nil right now in
5: this matchup. All right, guys. Yeah, we're switching it over here a little bit. A uh, little bit more football. Ooh, um, all right. yeah. So we're doing dealing with endorsement deals here, and. Nike has elected not to renew Jameis Winston's contract going forward, which I I mean it's probably not too surprising at this point. But do you think the Bucks are going to move on from the number one overall pick when his contract expires at the end of the 2019 season?
4: Mike uh, I'll jump to it. Sure. Uh well, it all comes down to how does he perform once he's back on the field? You got a few weeks of the Ryan Fitzpatrick experiment to get things started here. He's obviously not the long-term solution for them a lot of people argued even on draft day this year that the bucks should have been looking at the quarterback position uh and being aggressive towards allen or whatever other uh opportunist uh opportunity was there for them and their draft slot but they didn't uh and so they pushed forward with james winston you've got one more year on the deal after this and we know what the price of the basic marketplace is for a starting quarterback you're talking about committing 25 plus million dollars. We look we look at where he's at right now for these last couple of years. You have 2018 uh, cap hit of eight million or thereabouts, 2019, it's 20.9 million, and he's an unrestricted free agent. If he can't get his personal effects and personal life in order, then, yeah, you probably move on. You go find another face of your franchise because that's one of the things you're lacking right now, too. In your season ticket packages up on the stadium, there's no banner of Jameis Winston. They're not marketing that he's their guy. So they're already distancing, dis- distancing say that five times really fast, <laughs> distancing themselves from him to some capacity already. And I would only imagine if the numbers don't come back in big order and big wins, that they continue to do so.
0: All right, you guys remember a couple of years ago when the Cowboys took Ezekiel Elliott first overall, we're like, why in the world are they taking a running back fourth overall when now the NFL is turning into a running back by committee sort of league? Well, now what we have seen is it's not a running back by committee sort of league. It's you want a young running back that you can end up using up very quickly in his career and not have to pay a lot. So you'll take a rookie running back, give him as many carries as you want, but there's never going to be a second or third contract, or at least a third contract with these guys. My point with saying all of that is we're at a spot in the NFL quarterbacking situation where you're wondering, is this a change that we thought never would occur? Last year, there weren't enough teams to have quarterbacks. That's how AJ McCarron was put on the Buffalo Bills because of all the movement that ended up happening. There were actually teams that ran out. The, the, the quarterback market in the NFL was actually dry for AJ McCarron when he became a restricted free agent ends up going to Buffalo what will be interesting to see is we thought for years that you've got to go out you got to just get a quarterback because they don't grow on trees I think it could be a different point in the NFL in the next couple of years and that's why I think the Buccaneers will move on from him because I think that they can find another quarterback that will be serviceable in his place, his numbers haven't blown you off the charts in the first three years. No reason to expect that would change.
5: I I like that a lot. That's it's it's an interesting take where you know you're moving. You're just kind of cycling through the QBs if they're not doing if they're not at the elite level. But uh, I think Mike hit the nail on the head where you know it's it's all about the numbers. And if he comes out and performs above par. I think they're, they'll probably stick with him, but if not, they'll probably move on. Well, I think part of it,
4: to to go to, as Dan said, with the Ezekiel Elliott contract, it's very much the same with quarterbacks, right? Look at how your Seattle Seahawks were built. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson on a rookie deal. You're not breaking the bank. Look at the problem that that Indianapolis has now. All right, they drafted linemen. So in theory, in theory, this could work, although they had a retirement this week.
0: Jack Buhart. Yeah. Be, yeah,
4: because of knee chronic knee injuries. That, you know that's not going to help business in, in any way. And Kelly's been hurt frequently, and you still have a lot of questions. But trying to build around a guy already making $25 million a year is a much more difficult proposition, and you see that from the skill positions. You see that for the Colts altogether. It'll be interesting to see if luck can stay upright, what kind of success or lack thereof they have. Likewise, you, we're seeing what's happening with Seattle is I don't think they fall off to the basement of the NFL like a lot or predicting doom and gloom. I think it's just hot take nonsense, but the idea is everybody grew up and everybody had to get paid. So you had to make some Mm -hmm. difficult business choices in Tampa. You don't necessarily have that same thing going, but you do have one big outlier in Jameis Winston is you have to decide, is this guy worth it to pay him $120 million or whatever for four or five years Given his off the field record, given the fact that you can't market and merchandise him because of the backlash that you receive because of what he's done off the field, uh, the fact that you can't put a banner up on the side of your building is a pretty big tell of what you've got going on there. And then you have to decide, you know, that committing that kind of money while still building the rest of your roster, very difficult.
0: You're not going to give Jameis Winston $30 million a year that is not that if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers you can't do that if he is willing to take a deal that is 20 to 22 million dollars or 20 you know 3 3 million dollars in that ballpark then i think you look at it the nfl draft class quarterback wise in 2019 is not going to be nearly as strong or great as it was in 2018 so that's something right. to know the point being is if you've got the nfl like we had last offseason with all of the quarterbacks I don't think that there's going to be enough here in in 2019. But I think Mike, who knows about Joe Flacco's future, you, you know, who knows about uh, Jacoby Brissett was brought sure. up. Like they're going to you know, want a I first round him. pick. Yeah, you know, if, if if somebody wanted to trade, there's more quarterbacks out there that would that you would tend to believe, and there are more quarterbacks out there that there have been the last couple of years, which I think makes the Buccaneers have to make a decision. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Coming up next, they were having a ball at the hall. We'll talk more about what was happening in the state of Ohio next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. Glad to have you with us. We are joining you on the heels of a Hall of Fame ceremony, and now we are joined by a Hall of Famer, pleased to be joined here on Fox Sports Radio by multi-emmy award-winning journalist, chief correspondent for the NFL Network, and now HOFer, she's the recipient of the Pete Rozelle Radio TV Award from the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Andrea Kramer joins us. Andrea, we know it's busy and your time is precious, but first of all, congratulations on the honor
2: thank you so much guys i really appreciate it and you know it's so funny hearing your name as a hall of famer it's kind of like the first time you get married and somebody calls you my wife or says my husband <laughs> it just sounds weird but thank you but thank you
0: i was gonna say i know nobody writes checks anymore but don't you want to write andrea kramer hof on a check just once <laughs> i mean now that you have the ability
1: to
2: do so yeah i don't know i don't i don't know i've believe me, this whole, again, the the experience has been just surreal, but I must admit that I'm much more comfortable telling the story than being the story, Uh, but I, I, and it's funny because the, the friends of mine who know me best all emailed multiple times saying basically the same message, please don't worry about anybody else, please don't do any reporting, please just try to enjoy this, and you know what? I really did.
4: I was going to say, does that reporter side hat keep coming in as you're in on those
2: conversations? Well, so uh, I'm at the game Thursday night because uh, I was in the booth with Alan Chris in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. and I'm down on the field with my son, uh, who I've never taken on the field for a game because I was always working, and at one point... I'm getting somebody's phone number. And my son, we walk away, and my son looks at me, and he goes, Mom, I thought you're not supposed to be working. And then he goes, you can't help yourself, can you? That's what he says, my son. So and that, that pretty much sums it up.
0: Andrea Kramer joining us here on Fox Sports Sunday, again the recipient of the Pete Roselle Radio TV Award from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. When you look back on your career, I always tell people, why'd you get in radio or why'd you get in sports radio? I go, because I didn't want to work. I just wanted to do what I loved. When you started out, what did you want to accomplish? What was the reason you actually just got in the field in the first place?
2: Well, you just have to understand, it's a little bit different for me, because I don't know what it was like when you were growing up, but I always say this. When I was growing up, I didn't exist. So it's not as though I could look out and say, wow, I want to do what she does. Mm -hmm. As a lot of the young women say to me today, oh, I want to have your career, I want to do this. I didn't have that. There wasn't anybody doing it. So I love sports. I was someone that was a good writer. I learned television production. And all of a sudden, I was able to turn this into a career that I never really imagined because, you know, it just wasn't out there as something that I could possibly do. And then once I got into it, and, you know, the funny thing is, I always joke with John Walsh, who, you know, I mentioned in my speech, uh, former executive editor of ESPN, I said, I'm your best draft pick. You projected me. You saw in me a journalist that I didn't really see in myself, and I, I just always joke with them. you know, I'm I'm your, your best. I'm, like, like Tom Brady told a draft one day, you know, I'm the best decision you've ever made. I tell Walsh, like, I'm the best draft pick you ever made.
4: I love that. You know, obviously doing the, the research as we do, uh, you were winning – uh, picking contests when you were younger. And so, you know, maybe maybe as we get towards the fantasy football season, we reach back out uh, so you can help yes. some folks with their pools. Uh, but how much did the production uh, experience you got early on, how much did that help craft, you know, how you were able to, to learn how to tell stories and, and where to pursue the right angles?
2: Yeah, you know what? First of all, that's a great question and a great observation. Because most people, when they come up in television, they start at market 140, then go to 82, then for- I started off at the network level, but before that, I was a producer. So I tell young people today, you learn everything you can about the business because I've been in the field shooting something, and I'll be with a car in my person, and I'll say, I need to get the shot, and they go, well, we can't get it, and I go, yes, we can because I've done it before. And when you have the institutional knowledge of a, of a variety of things, First of all, you're not dependent on anybody. You don't want to be dependent on someone. You want to be as knowledgeable of as many things as possible. Well, not overstepping your bounds, but the more you know, the more useful you are in addition, the more versatile you are. I mean, I never wanted to be, uh, you know, tethered to a teleprompter. You know, I didn't want to ever have a safety net. I wanted my safety net to be my experience and my knowledge, and I think it served me pretty well.
0: Andrea Kramer joining us here on Fox Sports Sunday. One more for me, Andrea, as you're now a Hall of Famer. What's the toughest question you've ever had to ask in your career?
2: Oh, my God. I, mean,
0: I know it's broad, but was there any a point where it was like, should I go down this road well, or not?
2: Well, look, I mean, you know, I, I, I teach graduate school at Boston University in the journalism program, I teach a class on interviewing. One of the things I say is I think that the idea of a tough question is a bit of a misnomer because I feel that anything can be asked if it's asked with the proper tone, the proper level of respect and the lack of judgment. If it's asking neutrally, you can ask it. But I think just even in a, in a, in a general way, the most difficult questions have to deal with the most personal intimate subjects. I mean, I've done stories that deal with drug abuse, pain addiction, the death of children. You know, when you start getting into the most personal, you know, intimate subjects with people, those are really hard to ask. But again, it's one thing if you if you ask it out of nowhere, if you put it in context and if you ask it neutrally, and then again, it's, it's a personal question, if you ask it with a degree of empathy. You know what I mean? We're objective journalists, but we're also human beings. and I, as are our subjects. you know? So I think that those are as a genre, those are the most difficult questions to ask, but you have to ask them because you you're serving the audience, right? Mm -hmm. And the audience wants to know, and that's what you always have to keep in mind, And the audience wants to know what the experience was like. And a lot of times what I found is that when you're dealing with these personal subjects, people are doing it. They're talking, I always say, why are people talking to you? It's cathartic. They want other people to understand. They have a message that they want to get through. You know, dealing with, you know, a player who's lost a child at 40 days of age right after he won a Super Bowl, these are tough subjects. And, you know, I'm really honored that players have allowed me to tell these stories.
0: Well, she was honored yesterday by the Pro Football Hall of Fame, now a Hall of Famer, Andrea Kramer. We appreciate it, Andrea, and uh, best of luck in 2018 of the NFL season.
2: Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate the great conversation. Thanks for having me on, and I hope we can do so again soon. Sounds All right. great. Thanks. Congratulations. Hey, Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
0: Andrea Kramer, now a Pro Football Hall of Famer, to go along with her multiple Emmy Awards.
4: Fantastic stuff. I want to take the uh, art of the interview class that she offers right uh, at Boston University I got to see if I can get a get a pass maybe to, to beam in a couple of times for that because you know as she relayed you asked you know the hardest question you have to ask and and one of the things we do in sports talk radio right we, we did it a little bit at the top of the hour when you have a, a Donald Trump tweet that comes into the sporting realm a lot of folks will say I I just talk sports I don't do that no 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 that's part of sports we're all together we're all in a, in a big here And as much as you may not want it, you may want to dip away from, quote, reality and live in sports. No, it's it it's very much ingrained. And sports has always been a leader in terms of a unifier and a thing that gets us to have conversations. They may be uncomfortable conversations, but the conversation we have to have. And and that's something I think in sports radio and sports television has been a big difference the last few years and certainly something Andrea Kramer in her work has been doing for years, but having more discussions about domestic violence, having more discussions about abuse and, and you know, that it's not just between the lines. That's not where it Mm -hmm. begins and ends. There's a lot more to it and it brings the humanity and the element of all of us that we're, we're trying to go through our day-to-day experiences and what, what bonds us. Yeah. It's not always easy. It's not always comfortable, and it's an always not a laugh track underneath. But they're conversations that hopefully bring people together and get people to have the, the conversations that are hard, because that's the only way we progress. Yeah,
0: and in the way that that she said, and in, into what you're saying, in today's day and age, where people are questioning the media, it should be a duty of the public to listen to the question. And as Andrea Kramer said, if there is, if there is. Uh, no bias if there if the information is there if the uh, the emotion is out of it and if it's a fair question there is no difficult question to ask because all of those criteria have been met sometimes the toughest the, what may seem like a tough question is because you aren't checking off all of those boxes so when you're hearing is the media been fair or unfair and it's for anyone to judge just go down that checklist of what she said and then judge for yourself if a question is fair by any media member whether it be you me or anybody at any press conference in in any sort of situation that there is
4: no we certainly have seen that a, a lot where you have criticism of a reporter maybe they feel they've been wronged right if they're they're up covering a particular beat that sometimes that becomes a problem right mm-hmm. that sometimes that that becomes a more difficult proposition because you've been writing stories about a program like that you know we'll talk about the, the last week, the Urban Meyer in, in Ohio State, people that have been on that beat, if they feel that they've been there's been dishonesty and, and, and you know, they've been led uh, in a different path than given full truth, then, you know, the emotion could get the better of you. And then from what mm-hmm. Andrea Kramer's telling you, it's like as much as you, you may want to inject yourself in, you've got to be able to couch that and ask the question as it needs to be.
0: He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. What is going down at Ohio State? Well, we'll tell you after Isaac Lohenkron tells us
3: the latest. Hello, Isaac. Hello, Dan and Michael. Ken Rosenthal of Fox Sports and The Athletic reported Saturday night that Angels manager Mike Socha is expected to step down at the end of the season. Socha's decision not to pursue a new deal would be his alone and not the result of pressure from the club, according to Rosenthal. Socha said in a text message to ESPN's Alden Gonzalez Saturday night, quote, I am focused on this year and will talk to Angels owner Artie Moreno after the season, unquote. The Angels will be visiting Cleveland some two and a half hours from now, and Socha is expected to hold his customary pregame media availability at some point between now and then. On the field late Saturday night, the world champion Houston Astros destroyed the Dodgers 14 to nothing. Hey, great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Also Saturday night, the class of 2018 was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, consisting of Bobby Bethard, Robert Brazil, Brian Dawkins, Jerry Kramer, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Brian Erlacher and Ray Lewis, whose 33-minute speech was the second-longest Hall of Fame induction speech in history. The only one longer, Brett Favre at 36 minutes. Now, on the flip side, guys, the shortest Pro Football Hall of Fame speech, if you're wondering, came in 2012 when the late Jack Butler's acceptance speech Lasted just three minutes and forty-two seconds—a record that will stand until the day Bill Belichick gives his induction speech, which is inspected to consist in its entirety of "thanks." Dan and Michael, <laughs>
0: <laughs> come on, we know Bill's got a personality, right? I mean, that come on. There's the the if booze he can wear flip
3: flops. You're right. The yeah. booze
0: that he got yesterday, though, when Randy Moss brought his name up, I I thought were uh, a lot of Ravens fans there. Yeah. Uh, cheering against old Bill Belichick, yes. Fans Pretty are gonna
4: fans are gonna fan right. The Philadelphia fans making sure their presence was felt a- as well. But Bill Belichick, one of my favorite things during the football season is actually the the show he does each week where he breaks down several plays and and sits at the the teleprompter mm-hmm. and goes. Oh, through. the
3: Belichick breakdown. Yeah, he
4: does I like five minutes five minutes at a turn. That of what he saw on a play and how they designed
3: it and whatever else. It's brilliant. One of the best-kept secrets in sports media is how good those segments are. Absolutely.
0: Thank you very much, Isaac. Great, great information. And Isaac will be back with us in just a minute to, uh, yeah, let's get the family together. We'll play the feud in yeah, about 10 or so. It is Fox Sports Sunday. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Byer. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. The Ohio State situation as I guess we could call it right now maybe laying low just a bit because there haven't been new developments in the past 24 hours or so but about 48 hours ago on Friday the not the center of attention but really the center of the story has been the fired wide receiver's coach Zach Smith. Of course a lot of the story revolves around Smith and the allegations made against him about him abusing his wife and what urban meyer did or didn't know well zach smith went on espn on friday to explain his side of the story on a variety of things including his connection and the information given to ohio state head coach urban meyer
1: we had a practice i went to practice and urban pulled me off the practice field and when he pulled me off the practice field he said what the hell is going on what is this what is this I said, and I told him, I, I laid it all out for him. I said, apparently my ex-wife is trying to get me charged with uh, domestic abuse from incidents that happened throughout our marriage years ago and, and some more recent. Um, but I went down and met with the Powell police. I explained that bo- both sides of the story. I volunteered to do that and I, I didn't ever hit her. So I don't know what, to, what else. And he looked at me, he said, Zach, if you, if you hit her, you're fired immediately. And I, and I looked at him, I said, coach, if I hit her, I wouldn't come in here. I know how you feel about that. If I hit her, I wouldn't even come to work. I would know whats it's over. So, you never hit her? Never hit her. Uh, in, in my
0: personal opinion, I don't believe Zach Smith. I don't believe that he is telling the truth. I believe that there are many falsehoods, and I believe that those are lies. But in his message of what he is trying to say, Mike, it sure sounds that he's trying to clear Urban Meyer of any of the connections that he may have or know or what his knowledge would be of what did or didn't happen.
4: Well, and that's the question: is who becomes the the fall guy or fall men and women in this process? Because even Urban Meyer, in his statement that he released on Friday, admitted, "Well, I was unprepared," was the line. Misspoke everything else in terms of the Big Ten Media Day. Nothing there. Don't know who makes this up. Well, that was the response to McMurphy's questioning and you could hear from from brett mcmurphy he was on the the network a couple of times over he was the last everywhere week. Yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah. he became where yes, he was everywhere yes. but you can find those podcasts yes. on itunes just search fox sports radio but the idea that urban meyer had categorically denied that any of this existed and then in his statement on friday said well i kicked it up to the proper channels so now it becomes the paper trail of who in the office had something from urban meyer that they can they'll be the person to fall on the sword no matter how high up or how many people that involves in the Ohio State University system. Jason Smith and I a few days ago laid out the this is part of the overall plan of how you can keep your job. Mm-hmm. I admit, lying to the media is not going to be a fireable offense. No, absolutely. But if he followed the quote protocol and and kicked it up the chain of command instead of getting rid of Zach Smith at the time, that still has to be looked at and there's still a lot more to this. Uh, that, that than there is, but for for Urban Meyer, you know, and, and his handling of this, many will say, well, he, he put it up, and that what else is he supposed to do? It's like, no, 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 you're still supposed to be a protector of your university and not cover and push this aside. Whatever you knew, you knew. And Zach Smith, I mean, we we yeah, he, in that interview, he did one in Cleveland where he said, well, yeah, there were a bunch of bruises that I probably caused. And and did everything he could to try to distance himself from that as well.
0: Yeah, I think that Zach Smith is a bad individual. I mean, I made the Brett McMurphy joke about him going anywhere. I would too if somebody was questioning my story and my sure. sources and what I had and tried to rebut it and just pass it off as nonsense like Urban Meyer did on that Big Ten That's right. day. I would be. I would want to you know prove my name as well. So I I fully get it. As you hear Zach Smith say what he said, when you read Urban Meyer's statement that he put out, a lot of legal experts are saying this is to cover him and the $38 million that he has left on his contract, that if he was to be dismissed by Ohio State, that they couldn't do it with cause because he followed the protocol. This is somewhat similar, and I know people are trying to draw parallels to different scandals in college football. So, or or in, even in college sports, Mike, the one most recent that I think that you could draw a parallel to is what was happening with Tom Izzo at Michigan State and Tom Izzo of, of players uh, being accused of, of beating women or, or a player accused of it, of sexual assault allegations and a much bigger picture at Michigan State, which is a much bigger picture right now at Ohio State considering what's going on with their wrestling program. Mm-hmm. But the the thing that Tom Izzo did, Tom Izzo it was saying, as I followed protocol, this is what I did. I did as much as I could as a head coach. That seems to be the angle that Urban Meyer is taking. The problem with what Urban Meyer has is this isn't a new incident. This isn't something that is just being uncovered. The constant in what was happening at Florida and what, Maybe happening at Ohio State was Urban Meyer. And you may say that the constant was Zach Smith, but still, when you talk about the chain and the power of command, it still goes to Urban Meyer, who I don't think will be fired. And I think that you and Jason are right in your assumption. I do think that there will be a penalty now with the statements of the way that they came out, if you're Ohio State and you look at it and you really want to find a scapegoat, Gene Smith, the athletic director in my mind is the one that's got to be the most worried about this because let's be honest, it's a lot easier to to find an athletic director mm-hmm. than it is to find a head coach that's of right. Urban Meyer's uh, caliber. There will be a lot of coaches that would line up to take the Ohio State job. There may be twice as many athletic directors lining up to get their hands on that budget at Ohio State to do what that program allows you to do.
4: Yeah, I think a, a lot of it as we go from institution to institution, I, and I made the point earlier in the week about Jim Delaney, uh, the head of the Big Ten, has got to be losing his mind at this point with the number of scandals. And, mm-hmm. it, and not just, you know, hey, here's here's a guy that took a, a basket weaving course or s- something or, or was a no-show and someone did a turned in a term paper. For him. No, these are all horrific Stories between Penn State, Michigan State, and, and now here the, this Ohio State, both as mm-hmm. you mentioned between the wrestling and uh, situation, and here with with Urban Meyer, is you, you've got the, the biggest topics and, and just horrible, oh. horrible accusations and and allegations running through to try to navigate for the Ohio State. Yeah, again, it's always easy to get rid of an administrator. Mm-hmm. You can find another guy who's qualified the woman who's qualified to go run run a program and, and work that budget. Not a lot of urban Myers. The one domino that hasn't fallen yet was the entirety of the conversation because he talked about his relationship with his wife quite a bit. And, that, and that's the you know the presumption that she never said anything. And I think they could fall on her job and HIPAA laws and confidentiality agreements and try to figure out where that line yeah. is between what, what constitutes this is my friend and I talking. And what my professional life
0: is. urban's urban's defense could be if he saw those pictures would be, well, this, this was a, he said, she said, even with the pictures of a certain, and, and the pictures are, are going to be damning. If there was any evidence to be like, okay, urban Meyer saw this, but this is now just a, it, as no matter what side you're on. As I said, I don't believe Zach Smith. I believe that his ex-wife's claims are legitimate and factual when it comes down to the legal terms and who's going to keep their job and do whatever, I think it's a he said she said. I think Meyer ends up being suspended, maybe for the entire year, but I don't think he loses his job.
4: Comes back in game three for TCU. <laughs> I'm not.
0: I'm. I'm. If a two game suspension, I think would be too light. I think there could be something significant. We will have to wait and see what happens in Columbus. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Byer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. The hall was paved for many great ones yesterday in Canton, Ohio. But who are the greatest of the greatest? Well, we've actually got that answer. We'll tell you next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Pyre. Glad to have you with us. If you ever want to catch the show, there's a lot of ways to do it. You can listen now. You're listening now. You can listen on the iHeartRadio app, Sirius XM Channel 83. But if you miss the show, if you ever miss it, just go to iTunes, subscribe to Fox Sports Radio Weekends, download the show every single week, download that and all the other great programming here on weekends here on Fox Sports Radio. Speaking of a great program, Yes! Time to play the feud. yes. As we do every time this week, the Fox family made up of Mike Harmon, Ryan Dennis, Sam Kinsley, and Isaac Lohenkron. Cron. Guys, following on the wave that we did a week ago, remember it was the baseball hall of fame a week ago. We are off the heels of the NFL or the excuse me, the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. What I want to know, guys, top five answers on the board, most common positions inducted into the pro football. Hall of Fame. Most common positions last week, remember there was a designation between right field, left field, center field. There really isn't a designation here with football. So, defensive tackle, defensive end, all would be considered defensive linemen. You also may want to take any special teams play and coaches or contributors into the conversation. Top five answers on the board. Three strikes and a pass available as we start out with Mike Harmon. I'm going to go for the chalk right off the bat since we had a 33-minute speech. Uh, We'll go linebacker. There's a bunch of different linebackers, a bunch of middle linebackers grabbing center stage yesterday. Show me those LBs. There they are. 30 linebackers
5: have been enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Let's go over to Ryan Dennis. I might switch it up, go a little off, off the uh, beaten path, but offensive tackle. Ooh, offensive tackle. I like tackle. It. I Yes, like it.
0: that could be under the, the umbrella of offensive linemen, maybe along with guards and centers. Show me O-line. There it is, number one answer. Yeah, 45 offensive linemen have been enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Let's go to Sam Kinsley.
5: Uh, the obvious answer here, and let's uh, let's have a, a recent inductee, uh, Tell it like it is. It's my quarterback. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Ooh. Okay.
0: So, are you I just want clarification because this is a big game and we need for legal <laughs> rules. Are you saying it's quarterback or are you saying it's wide receiver with Terrell Owens saying it? Terrell Owens was recently inducted, but I'm saying it's my quarterback. Oh, you're saying okay, quarterback. Okay. Show me those Good QBs. Answer. What? No! Wow. What? Wow. Yes, quarterbacks did not make the top wow. five of the most common position in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. One strike on the board. That? I'm the oh. bad guy. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You have got a strike, Terrell Owens. Over to Isaac Lohenkron.
3: I just want to say that when Byers said earlier, show me those LBs, that's exactly what I say to myself right before I eat Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> nice. I'm going to go with... Terrell Owens' position, just give me the damn wide receivers. Oh, it's a wide-ranging net. Did it reach our top five? Sure
0: it did. Absolutely. Wide receivers, 27 wide receivers. By the way, quarterbacks, 26 enshrined into Canton. No quarterbacks this year. So the wide receivers with Terrell Owens and Randy Moss actually jumped the quarterbacks to make it into the top five over to mike harman reminder that we're brought
4: to you fox sports sunday by geico what does it mean when geico says just 15
0: minutes can save you 15 percent or more
4: on car insurance it means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago string aside uh let's see Maybe got- devalued now i'll go to the running back position the running that backs- i gotta
0: be able to find 27 or oh, 28 of yeah, those yeah you know that there are there have got to be some halfbacks heck even fullbacks on the board yes there yeah. are 32 running backs that makes four answers, one answer remaining, one strike. The pass is now gone. The pass is evaporated. So, Ryan Dennis, it is up to you. Most common positions inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Offensive lineman was the number one answer. Running backs, third. Linebackers, fourth. Wide receivers, fifth.
5: Let's go with uh, defensive backs or uh, cornerbacks. Corners,
0: DBs, a lot of great ones in the NFL. Show me defensive backs. No, no. twenty six of those, along with quarterbacks. All that? right, here we go, Sam. It's all up to you. Let's get the Fox family behind you with that
5: support. All right, let's, let's get the yeah. answer. Let's try a defensive lineman.
0: Defensive lineman for all the marbles. You guys like this answer, Please. defensive come on, lineman? Come on. Yeah, come on, I I Sam. Yeah, come on, Sam. You on board? With on, this? Yeah, let's do it. You guys on board? Show me D line. Yeah, thirty seven D lineman in the Hall of Fame. We've got your fantasy football fix coming up in about twenty minutes as Mike Harmon dives into some of the bigger storylines that are going to affect your fantasy football season. We made the announcement an hour ago. We are three weeks away from a fantasy football Woo-hoo! extravaganza here on Fox Sports Radio. Our entire three-hour show will be designated to fantasy football. We'll have some fun with segments. We'll have some good interviews. May even have a mock draft here and there. Whole bunch of come up that is august 26th here on fox sports radio a special edition of fox sports sunday looking forward to it already doing the the mock-ups of lineups and and i know that you've been ranking players for months now but um, a few days into it a few uh weeks actually and i'm excited for the upcoming season and the bears ravens game just to see graphics on a screen and see teams running around Makes you feel good.
4: Well, we're sitting here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, NFL Network, one of our monitors, and they're replaying Thursday night's game. Now, much of it you didn't want to see. Uh, no, Nobody needed to see an a awful, awful lot of that football. It was, well, a lot of awful football. But <laughs> looking at the, the Bears quarterback, no Mitchell Trubisky in this game. Uh, Matt Nagy flat out said, well, no need to get anybody that matters hurt, which is kind of <laughs> An insult to those guys that had to play, I guess, when you're looking at Tyler Bray uh, having to take as much of a beating as he did as it went through a lot of talk about the Ravens and Robert Griffin III and how uh, raw, shall we say, Lamar Jackson looked at times. Some errant passes, a couple of good scrambles, but all in all what you would expect from a guy who's literally been in camp for a week uh, being thrust out there in the Hall of Fame game that extra week that extra preseason mm-hmm. game. And, and look, it's a project. It's a long-term kind of game, certainly not not showing enough to where I think anybody that was really hoping to see Joe Flacco deposed, and I know a lot of people in Baltimore who would love to see a change, just something fresh, that uh, that's not exactly where it's coming from just yet in 2018.
0: I love the Hall of Fame game because it gets things started. I to think that is... You grew up a Bears fan or any Ravens fan Mm -hmm. out there to think that you have to sit through five preseason games. I feel really bad. And I do think that the Bears are going to be better than people expect. I think it's going to be a different sort of Bears team. But you could have a team, and let's just say things don't go according to plan in Chicago where they've got nine regular season games that matter because by week 10, they're already out of it. So you've got like a preseason would almost be half of a year that you would want to (laughs) watch meaningful football because then the last six weeks are kind of like whatever. But anyway, the preseason is here. Preseason college football as well. And aside from the drama that's at Ohio State, Chip Kelly's at UCLA, a lot of storylines, the Jalen Hurts storyline at Alabama of him speaking up just, quickly and saying, hey, nobody has talked to me, nobody's spoken about me. Was surprised to hear Nick Saban say that they didn't he wouldn't know if Jalen Hurts would be on the on the roster. Alabama and Tuscaloosa is going to be an interesting place to watch when it comes to the quarterback situation this year. It's- I think
4: what's interesting is twenty eighteen is the convergence of three places where there's never really any talking out of school and noise. Suddenly, we've got a lot of talking out of school. Sure. Yeah. Alabama, San Antonio with the Spurs and out in New England. Obviously, you know, I still don't buy that there were 12 people that talked to Wickersham independently (laughs) and all had decided that now was the time for the airing of the grievances. I still have some problems with that. Not that there haven't been some people starting to talk about some things in the process. I just don't know that you'd have that giant a number suddenly coming out of the shadows to do so but the fact of the matter is you've got three places long tenured successful coaches where suddenly there's there's a little more chirping than we're used to in their respective franchises and programs.
0: I think that the biggest thing from this offseason when it came to Alabama and why Jalen Hurts should feel poorly or feel bad is that Tua Tagovailoa was on the boat that had the boat issue with Nick Saban. Like if there is mm-hmm. anything to say on how you stood in the coach's eyes, heck, if Jalen Hurts hasn't even spoken with Nick Saban, yet Tua is on boat rides with them. that's all you need to know about who's going to be the starting quarterback <laughs> when the uh, season opens for the Crimson Tide in less than a month.
4: And oh, you've right. already in mid-season form by hand- handling Tua's name brilliantly. <laughs> well done.
0: Uh, it's a difficult one. You'll have to work with us. It took me years for Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Tua uh, – Tego Vailoa is going to still take some work. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Bayer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Let's serve up our final hot takes and sausage of the day. Again, I stole Sam's syrup. Sam has uh, got up and left, so Alex Teichert is here. I know I wouldn't steal Alex syrup because Alex doesn't maple syrup i'm guessing dan uh, it's
3: uh it's actually agave i eat agave oh okay. oh there you go <laughs> uh, the natural <laughs> oh, sweetener, the,
0: nat- the natural sugar oh yes, yes perfect i'm sure vermont loves to hear that uh <laughs> the big a, our technical producer ryan dennis is our executive producer uh he serves up a topic for mike and i to discuss and then ryan gets to pick a winner and what are we tied right
5: now at, yeah uh, we're one tied piece? yes one yes, of these another up.
0: close matchup Heading into the final round, the decider, the tiebreaker, if you will.
5: Yes, absolutely. And you guys were just talking about the Hall of Fame game a little bit ago, and we were kind of talking about a little bit during one of the breaks, but, you know, the new helmet rule going on that they're experimenting with, you know, a lot of guys are on the roster bubble, and they use preseason as a chance to kind of get noticed from the team's coaching staff, right? So Ravens safety Bennett Jackson said that in the Hall of Fame game, Flags were being thrown by the refs to make people aware of the new helmet rule. Do you th- I mean, is it is it fair to these roster bubble guys to be used as the guinea pigs or is that just part of the whole process and you got to deal with it? We'll start with uh Dan on this one.
0: Yeah, I think it's fair and I think that this is the way that it goes even though that the starters are on the field not uh, not getting all the reps that you wish they could have. And and maybe there's only a series in the first couple of weeks where there would be a call like this. It's the only way to do it. You can't all of a sudden go into a season and say, okay, we're going to ramp this up. Games would be three and a half, four hours. And I know guys' jobs are on the line, but realistically, I don't think anybody's going to lose their job because of an illegal hit in a, in a new rule that seems to be very, very cloudy. I think that there's a lot of other criteria that will allow that player to make or break the team and not be like, you know what? We can't keep this guy because he keeps on committing 15-yard penalties. If, if if he does it for pass interference in other situations, maybe that's an issue, but not for tackling or hitting someone in a way that we still don't know what is a penalty and what isn't a penalty.
4: Yeah, I think a big thing is that to watch is we've obviously got a lot of new officials that are gonna be broken in. So you're you're looking at that angle as well as we get towards the regular season. But short term, I, I think you wanna get as much tape as you can to have these discussions, just to have the as many examples to try to determine what is and isn't a penalty. There were a number of them here in the Bears Ravens game where you're raising your hand. We were sitting here watching in the Geico studios and, and you're you're okay, how's that a penalty? It seemed like a clean hit, shoulders. The argument, Maybe you could launch because there was a, a play on what became the the touchdown pass, uh, the drive from Lamar Jackson to Hurst, that there was a, a penalty on Orr that continued the drive that looked like a textbook hit, but you throw the flag and it becomes a, a piece of the learning process for the officials and for players as to what's going to draw a flag because a lot of it is also the perception of of where you are and where the referees and, and they're trying to figure out their positioning and everything else, trying to get into midseason form as well. But for the players, it's a new world order in terms of how you tackle. How you were taught 25 years ago is not how you're learning the game now. And there's going to have to be a swift adjustment given the concern for player safety.
5: Looks like Dan Byers going with the axe and he's just saying, you know what? Deal with it. Yes, absolutely. I like Deal it. with it, guys. Make your hay. As you will, so we're gonna. I I like I like your style, Dan. We're going with you this morning.
0: It'll scale back when the regular season
5: comes around. However,
0: there you've got to at least figure this out. I know that some teams are teaching different tackling technique, more of the rugby tackling. We've uh, the Seahawks have actually done that with legs. But Mike, I look at, I I just look at this when it comes to the NFL and with these hits, and really, it's across the middle more more than anything on slants on post routes where you have a a safety sitting there you I know you can't tell an offense not to do it but in a league that is so pro offense for the rules now maybe winning football isn't you know through the air and and obviously defense plays a a big role and I still think that if you have a superior defense you're going to go farther than most of the teams that have superior mm-hmm. offenses. The The point is, with these new rules, I we're sitting there and we're adjusting everything on the defensive side of the ball. Is there anything that we can do offensively to not allow these hits? And I'm not saying ban the slant, but I'm just well, that's saying... That's a big part of it. Yeah. that like, That's
4: where a lot of your, your big hits are
0: coming. Maybe, maybe I am saying ban the slant. You know what I mean? For the simple point of it seems to be that is where you you get a lot of the injuries. And I know that there's other spots and other plays on the field, but I would I would venture to say and I, I if you looked at the data that more of those injuries come on those sort of pass routes. Those and, 7
4: to 10 going across into the middle.
0: Yeah, and I just think that if you're the NFL and you're trying to make all these adjustments, at some point don't you have to go to the other side of the ball and say, okay, you can't do this because this is going to lead. Like, this is a certain route that will happen because it seems that the defense is the one that's always having to make the adjustments.
4: Well, you know, they banned the one play that Bill Belichick liked. The Ravens called out, and they went back into the rule book and changed that. So maybe this is one just categorically that they they revise how, how this has to be run You know and outlawed as you can because there is such an incidence and, and the high rate of speed because guys aren't getting smaller and slower. Yeah. that's the other part of yeah. all of this. No matter, no matter how you dice it up, especially, other than ex- extending the field and making it a CFL length, so maybe you spread guys out some more.
0: Especially if guys are eating agave on their pancakes, yeah, well, that's you know, true. that's another way. That's. That's how you get the bigger and stronger NFL guy. You can get the bigger guys with the maple syrup, but the stronger ones, <laughs> I'm not too sure. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Bayer. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. Mike, they can get you Find me a- over at Swollen Dome. One Super Bowl contender may have suffered a devastating injury in camp yesterday. We'll give you an update on that troubled player coming up next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan buyer Little slide That's over, baby. The, here on the Sunday morning. I got to, I got oh, to yeah. be honest. It's it's a little it's a little tough to get all amped up with uh. <laughs> like Sunday morning. Oh, come on! A little Lionel's always good. How about yeah. you bust out a little, a little sail hey, on next? Wait a sec. How about a little Lionel without Lionel? Because this is the instrument music, the, the instrumental version? music version. Yeah, it's not too Am bad. Am I in an elevator now? <laughs> this, we can't even we can't even call this little Lionel. This is zero Lionel <laughs> on our way, as Mike said, to the twenty fourth floor. Ooh. Oh, sorry, this Lobby's is the floor. All right. You know what? Let's uh let's hit some other jam that we're kinda of used to, big A. You got a you got another jam that we uh like to I don't know, hear quite often here on Fox Sports Radio. There it is. There it is. That's the sound of football. Fantasy football We Continue our promise to you talking fantasy football each and every show throughout the summer. This leads up to our big fantasy football extravaganza on August 26th. And then after that, it's the college football weekend. And then we get your prime for week one. It is fast approaching my Carmen. Let's dive in to the storylines that have so far grabbed the headlines in the 2018 NFL training camp season that could have an effect on your fantasy football team.
4: Got a couple right off the jump there in New England. Sony Michelle with the knee quote procedure, fluid drained off of that, expected to miss a bit of time, perhaps as much as the rest of the the preseason. What does that mean? Uh you've got a crowded backfield as it stands. Rex Burkhead, a guy we highlighted last week as a potential for an uptick in his touch count as it is. You got James White there, Gillisley, Jeremy Hill, formerly of the Bengals. You got a lot of bodies to help things flow. But for Sony Michelle, that means early in the season, probably not as many touches. You might be able to get a value on him now in your fantasy drafts if you're drafting early the next week or two as we wait further word as to how quickly he gets back into full capacity at Patriots Camp. You also have Eric Decker recently signed. Jordan Matthews mm-hmm. gone. He finds his way out. Julian Edelman, of course, with the suspension, going to miss a couple of weeks. So you look at that receiving core. You've got Chris Hogan, who's helping him out as best he can, helping Decker get acclimated. Malcolm Mitchell has had his knee injury. Kenny Britt is in camp. Philip Dorsett, formerly of the Colts, as you're trying to figure out exactly what his role is. So for Eric Decker... Last couple of years, kind of wasted, both between injury and, well, how bad the quarterback play was in New York. Remember, he had a 12-touchdown season in 2015, only three touchdowns combined the last two years.
0: The story last night in Titletown for the Green Bay Packers was a bit scary. David Bakhtiari Ooh. tackled, going down with an ankle injury. Updated news on that. All good. All good. But how would Bakhtiari's status end up affecting Green Bay if he does miss time with what has been reported as a sprained ankle?
4: Well, and that's one of the more difficult things as we go into offensive line. And Dan, Dan, and I do a lot more on the the big uglies on the show for fantasy purposes than you'll hear uh, elsewhere. We love looking at the offensive and defensive lines, that continuity, and for Bakhtiari, depending on what service you subscribe to, rated as one of the top three tackles in the game this past year and certainly a a force. So what what you can't have happen when Aaron Rodgers coming back off of, well, another collarbone and and all the injuries that he's had is have any sort of of slowdown on your offensive line because obviously Balaga has also had injury issues in the past. So now you're looking at your bookends as a bit more questionable. So for Bakhtiari, you know, to miss some time here and the playing surface slippery, they had weather issues, they – They took the family night practice and shut it down a bit early, but certainly something that we have to watch as the season gets rolling, whether they can keep five guys upright in front of Aaron Rodgers. Doesn't affect his status. You're still going to draft him as probably your one or two quarterback, but still it's one of those things that we watch on the whole of what kind of continuity you have on that line. Remember, you're also missing Aaron Jones to start the season with his suspension, so the offense for Green Bay may not hit – Full throttle right out the jump.
0: To branch off on the a fantasy conversation, what I think is unique about this Bakhtiari injury, or what stands out to me, Mike, is when I look for uh, the the division supremacy in the NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings are better than the Green Bay Packers at every single position except quarterback and offensive tackle. Like that is that is it. Otherwise, you're taking you're taking the Vikings in every single position. So when you want to talk about like the NFC North, as much as I know people want to believe in Aaron Rodgers and believe in the Packers and, and they think that last year maybe Minnesota was fortunate because there was no Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings upgraded, obviously, at quarterback. You get Dalvin Cook back. We know the weapons that they have outside, and then you go on the defensive side of the ball, and Minnesota is loaded. My point was saying all of this. There is a gap between Minnesota and Green Bay, and if you don't have... One of your top tackles, your left tackle in David Bakhtiari, that gap may get a little bit wider even with Aaron Rodgers. No,
4: that's right. it, right? You look on the outside, you, you're talking Thielen and Diggs, and then yeah. you have Dalvin Cook who comes back off the injury. For the Packers right now, Devontae Adams, injury issues. Randall Cobb, injury issues and inconsistency. As you roll, you're, you're trying to push Geronimo Allison, who's had some bright spots in camp. It would appear that... He's ready to project forward. But that's your receiving core. That and Jimmy Graham. We don't know what version Mm -hmm. of Jimmy Graham you're getting at this point. You know he's not going to engage in the blocking side of things. But how much much is he going to be the old Jimmy Graham and perhaps be a red zone threat again? Because they don't have that. Mercedes Lewis in year 14 – is more yeah. a blocker at this point than he is anything in terms of a pass catcher.
0: What about the situation in Miami? We know that Jarvis Landry is no longer there to be the security blanket for Ryan Tannehill. They've got Kenny Stills on the outside. They also have a Devontae Parker as well. But things haven't gone as well for him in training camp as some would have hoped.
4: Well, for Parker, this was the the break make-or-break make type year, right? We've been talking about him as the sleeper, the potential for him to break through for quite some time. And at this point – We've, we've had some glimpses of the player he could be. Remember the 744 and 56 catches 2016? Well, he's pretty much the same guy with just one touchdown last year. And again, we could go to quarterback play and some problems that they had there. But you look at the depth chart right now, you bring in Amendola, you have Kenny Stills. Albert Wilson was a solid receiver for the Chiefs quietly for years well, yeah, now he comes yeah. in and may take Devontae Parker's job, at least if it's to believe the early reports out of Miami camp. Now, a lot of it still goes back to how much you trust Ryan Tannehill to deliver the ball to any of your receivers as you go through. So that's, that's one of those where you may, from a – straight value perspective, you may get a guy in the late rounds and take a flyer and win because maybe there's a little bit of an uptick in his accuracy and ability to A, stay on the field and B, make some plays with Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake, given a little stability uh, at the running back position. But for Devontae Parker, perhaps not that breakthrough that we anticipated and maybe fewer reps.
0: One quick question because you mentioned his name about Kenyon Drake. Are you at all concerned about what happened with Jay Ajayi last year for the simple fact of you thought great 2016, he's going to be a top fantasy pick first two rounds. And then all of a sudden ends up just being whatever. Drake kind of had came on at the end of the season when Jay Ajayi no, was no longer there. Now you kind of think he's the guy, but you also now have Frank Gore there. Is there any concern about maybe him not reaching his full potential? Yeah. I think
4: that's the the problem is that you have a guy like Frank Gore who Behind a bad Indianapolis offensive line, look, the yards per carry weren't there, but he's still durable, still a guy who can plod forward and get you your four per. And for Drake, big, big play potential. So I think more as a receiver, third down, and and splitting carries. So certainly not the number one running back value that you might have had. Yes, Frank Gore's there just to muddy things up. Good news for Marlon Mack behind a reconstituted Indianapolis offensive (laughs) line. You know, I love Marlon Mack. In theory, we talk about him a lot. So, in theory, the the ceiling raised for him greatly with Frank Gore gone, uh, but remains to be seen how quickly that Indianapolis offensive line gels as well.
0: There are certain teams that I feel are just painful to watch when you have fantasy players on those teams, and the Miami Dolphins was one of those teams. Oh, sure. I mean, I was – I drafted Jay Ajayi last year and was expecting big things, and I'm like, why in the world am I watching the Dolphins? But I am, and there are certain teams that you get that feeling that, Mike, it's just not, I mean, it's, you know, you may have have the guy, you may have Devontae Parker with an eight-catch, 152-yard game and two touchdowns. But that, I don't think that that's worth having to watch the other eight Dolphins games where he gets <laughs> two of seven targets for 28 yards.
4: Well, but that's a more difficult thing, right, is trying to figure out which of those matchups is going to be the breakthrough because odds are he's on your bench mm, for that yeah. big breakout because you have so many duds in between. So trying to figure out, and one of the big things we'll focus on over the course of the year and certainly looking back to 2017 is guys that were more consistent, right, where you don't have those – epic highs. And so mind numbing and uh, soul shattering lows uh, and disappearing acts. So trying to figure out where you have a nice happy medium where we all hope to live life. Yeah, you want some high moments, but you know, taking the okay every day. Because when (laughs) someone says, you know, you ask how your day was, it's like, yeah, it's all good. You know, same day, different, whatever. And it's like, you know what, that's okay. Sometimes it's okay to have a streak of those.
0: We, we did get a tweet earlier, and I'm putting you on the spot. Sure. But there was a fantasy question. Scott Bowser says, who would be your first running back taken in your draft?
4: My first running back for this year, I I think I'd still go Le'Veon Bell. Hmm. Even with all the knuckleheadedness and all the Even ahead problem, of Gurley? I think I'd still take him ahead of Gurley. I, I love the opportunity in theory for Gurley. I worry about that workload between the tackles that he took on a bit last year. I think if this defense gels, you might have some more point blank scoring opportunities. Uh, but the Jared Goff and the the offense, I'm curious to see if there that takes a little bit of a step back from what we saw in 2017.
0: He's Mike Carman I'm Dan Bayer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Hopefully, we gave you your fantasy fix that you needed on this Sunday morning. Find us on Twitter. Get Mike at Swollen Dome. I'm at Dan Bayer on Foxes. We're coming to you live from the Geico. Fox Sports Radio Studios coming up next, what's it like to ask a tough question? Will we ask that question to one of the best in the business. You'll hear her answer after Isaac Lohenkron gives us the latest on I guess I guess some uh nice uh
3: snack fare if you will from uh One Mike Sosha. Indeed, it's making me very hungry on this Sunday morning. And in fact, You know, Dan and Michael in life, there have been few constants over the past 19 years, but two of them have been Tom Cruise making Mission Impossible movies, and Mike Socha managing the Angels. Well, late last night, Ken Rosenthal reported that Socha is expected to step down at the end of the season. This morning, prior to the Angels game at Cleveland today, Socha essentially denied the report, telling the assembled media that nothing's changed regarding his job status since last October, said he still loves managing, and called the report, quote, poppycock, unquote. (laughs) Socha's 19-season managerial tenure is the sixth longest in Major League history, a list led by Connie Mack's 50-year tenure with the Philadelphia Athletics. Ironically, Mack would also use the term poppycock to describe rumors that he'd be stepping down. (laughs) On the field late Saturday night, the world champion Houston Astros destroyed the Dodgers 14-0. Also Saturday night, the class of 2018 was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, consisting of Bobby Bethard, Robert Brazil, Brian Dawkins, Jerry Kramer, Ray Lewis, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, and Brian Urlacher. And finally, Ian Rappaport of NFL Media reporting today the Green Bay Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari was diagnosed with a sprained left ankle after causing a scare when he was carted off the field last night at practice. Dan and Michael, back to you.
0: All seems like a bunch of fiddle faddle going on.
3: Doesn't it, huh? Horse feathers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, let's see who could
0: cracker jack went out of the park tonight. We'll, Holy uh, yeah. cow! I will say this: i uh, i had a I had a uh, poppycock phase where it was my go to snack. Delicious! It is delicious.
4: You want to explain for those that don't know what poppycock? is? Well,
0: it's it's like cracker jacks. It's 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 caramel popcorn with various uh, nuts. You can get it with cashews. You can get it with pecans. There are different varieties. But it is very, very delicious. It is a high-quality snack if you are ever looking for something of that nature.
4: See, there you have it. Because Teicher was highly intrigued. But given the agave. Yeah,
5: they don't have
0: any agave flavored
5: poppycock. They don't.
3: I just had no idea what it was, Dan. I was curious.
5: I thought you were referring to shuttlecock, like a badminton or something.
0: No, no, poppycock is a great snack that you may uh, you guys may want to dive in. This is
4: a pretty good bit running on here from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Great news. It's a quick way you could save money, you can switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. That is no poppycock.
0: Knowing that they didn't get the poppycock reference, then that makes me know they didn't get the fiddle-faddle reference either. But fiddle-faddle, hey, a classic. That's okay. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Thank you very much, Isaac. He's my Carmen I'm Dan Beyer. Earlier on the program, we got to speak to a Hall of Famer. Yes, we did. One Andrea Kramer, who was honored by the Pro Football Hall of Fame with the Pete Rozelle Radio and TV Award yesterday. So Andrea Kramer is a Hall of Famer. Of course, we know Andrea Kramer from her long time covering the NFL now doing it for the NFL Network. We also know her from HBO and the work that she's done as a contributor to Real Sports. Andrea Kramer joined us earlier on the program, and we had a great conversation, not about the upcoming 2018 NFL season, but what life is like as an NFL reporter and what life is like with her. And, and there's there's a lot of different angles that, that you can ask and, and try to find out. What I was curious about when Andrea Kramer came on was what was the toughest question that she had to ever ask in her career
2: I teach graduate school at Boston University in the journalism program and I teach a class on interviewing one of the things I say is I think that the idea of a tough question is a bit of a misnomer because I feel that anything can be asked if it's asked with a proper tone the proper level of respect and the lack of judgment if it's asking neutrally you can ask it but I think just even in a, in, a, in a general way the most difficult questions have to do with the most personal intimate subjects I mean I've done stories that deal with drug abuse, pain addiction, the death of children. You know, when you start getting into the most personal, you know, intimate subjects with people, those are really hard to ask. But again, it's one thing if you, if you ask it out of nowhere, if you put it in context, and if you ask it neutrally, and then again, it's, it's a personal question, if you ask it with a degree of empathy. You know what I mean? We're objective journalists, but we're also human beings and I, as are our subjects, you know? So I think that those are, as a genre, those are the most difficult questions to ask, but you'll have to ask them because you, you're serving the audience, right? And mm-hmm. the audience wants to know, and that's what you always have to keep in mind, and the audience wants to know what the experience was like. And a lot of times, what I found is that when you're dealing with these personal subjects, people are doing it. They're talking, I always say, why are people talking to you? it's cathartic. They want other people to understand. They have a message that they want to get through. You know, dealing with, you know, a player who's lost a child at 40 days of age right after he won a Super Bowl. These are tough subjects and, you know, I'm really honored that players have allowed me to tell these stories.
0: And Andrea Kramer has interviewed many across the national football league and really just the world of sports and has done a great job. That's great, great advice for anybody who's looking to get into the business. And I also think it's great advice for anyone who may be questioning the media's role now of these days or just wondering about how the media plays why is this question fair why is this question unfair how are things how should things be addressed if you just went down her checklist of proper tone proper respect uh to to have the information and to show no judgment but maybe show empathy you can get a lot of good answers from interview subjects
4: tone tenor and as best you can you check emotion at the door certainly the empathy and trying to relate because Look, we don't, we don't just read through box scores. Once upon a time, that was Sports Talk Radio. All right, then he went six innings. Ah, you got to get seven out of them. What do you think? And <laughs> yeah. then you give the phone number and people would light up the pitcher or the manager, and, and that would be it. In in a lot of markets, and, and when you're looking at it from, a, I guess, a local standpoint, I, I think you can still do that to a degree, right, breaking down the game of the night before and run. But what we're doing here, you know, the, the, the beauty of the, the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios here, the nationwide, is you're trying to bridge and bring people together and and wrap, wrap arms around people from all sorts of backgrounds, different states and socioeconomic or whatever, and trying to make it relatable and trying to take topics. And that means including a lot of these difficult topics or difficult subjects, even talking to each other. It's easy to do the chuckle hut. Hey, you know, we had a great weekend. You know what? I got hammered. And we went to a ball game and this guy sucked and whatever else i mean that's an easy conversation but some of these other topics trying to bring your life and your perspective to is sometimes difficult just in terms of relating even if you're not interviewing somebody even if you're not talking to him but this is the the type of thing like the the conversations you have in your home or office it's the same dynamic you're trying to figure out what's the the best way to approach difficult topics and for andrea kramer she's made She's one of the best, and widely acknowledged as one of the best interviewers that we've had in sports media.
0: Andrea Kramer also addressed her background because you brought up the point. This was this was a girl growing up that was the football fan in her house. I believe she was the Miami Dolphins fan actually growing up. But when you look at as you what you're trying to become, you asked her, okay, what what was the road like to becoming what she became today? And she gave you that answer.
2: When I was growing up, I didn't exist. So it's not as though I could look out and say, wow, I want to do what she does. Mm -hmm. As a lot of the young women say to me today, oh, I want to have your career. I want to do this. I didn't have that. There wasn't anybody doing it. So I love sports. I was someone that was a good writer. I learned television production. And all of a sudden, I was able to turn this into a career that I never really imagined because, you know, it just wasn't out there. As something that I could possibly do.
0: Andrea Kramer earlier with us here on Fox Sports Sunday, you know, different road for me. I did start out in small market and next market and next market and next market. And for her to to not have that game plan or that pathway because it hasn't been done before to see what she's done makes it even more remarkable on, on what is now officially a Hall of Fame career.
4: Yeah, we all come through this business or any other business, and and thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time on a Sunday morning here at Fox Sports Radio. Dan and I sure do appreciate it, whether you're having a cup of coffee to and from service, maybe sitting in service with a, a headset on. I don't know, wherever, wherever you are, we appreciate you stopping on by. But, you know, you came to your jobs in different capacities, maybe roundabout ways. For me, I did a few jobs before – circling back into sports media, what I always wanted to do. But my my upbringing, I, I took the more traditional path and then finally just said, you know what, this is kind of where I want to head. And like Andrea, started at a national entity. It was at Yahoo, so a fledgling national entity in terms of sports, sports media at the time. But then we know what Yahoo Sports has become, proud to have helped build that machine at that it's become through these years for andrea kramer the same thing national production and and behind the scenes learning how to put pieces together learning how to do that it's the first thing i tell the interns when they come in to us here at fox sports radio is ask a lot of questions be a pain in the butt sure people may grout, you know give you a gruff gruff answer and and that's for any job it's like you need to know how the sausage is made it may it may turn you off and you may want to run screaming into a different line of work but the reality is there's a lot that go into these these shows uh, between Alex Tyshirt on the ones and twos and Sam Kinsley Before that the work Ryan Dennis does it to produce And try to get things prepared and think About stories in different angles while he's Walking the beach or, or minding You know old USC tapes Isaac Lohenkraut same thing and Dan and you and I both trying To, to juggle what we're doing Monday through Friday and then and then come in here And, and try to offer fresh perspectives uh, On stuff that's happening through The weekend I mean there's, there's a lot that goes into It and for folks that get their first taste of it it's like ah, that's cool and then they're here for the fifth or sixth week and you see that light you know it's not not that shiny because they realize there there is more work and i'm not saying that you know we're we're you know breaking the atom or anything here but just the idea that in any walk you know there's going to be stuff that you need to learn and pay your dues
0: true story when my first job i had a job at a radio station that included reading birthdays and anniversaries in the morning. Oh, sweet. So you would get calls all the time because you mispronounced the last name wrong because I wasn't from that town, wasn't familiar with the person. So it 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 was trial by fire. But one of the worst situations that I had was you do news all week long, and when you start out in radio, you get the opportunity to maybe call some high school football that would be on that station or a high school basketball or some sort of sport. So I was brought in and I got to call a playoff game for a high school football for a small town that was about 30 miles away. And they were playing a school that was from southeastern Wisconsin. This was, was, was back home and true story guys. The opponent I called by the wrong team name for the entire first half. I called them by the wrong religion. Okay. They, They were, they were a Catholic school and I was calling them a Lutheran school. So those are the, you talk about like how the sausage is made. Like go. those are the mistakes that you have to make when you are early on in broadcasting. So yes, wasn't wrong name. wasn't mispronunciation. It was the wrong religion of the school for Woo-hoo. the first half. Yeah, that's. You came back from it beautifully, Dan. We are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. He's Mike Carman, I'm Dan Byer. and there is only one reason why you'd ever want to watch the New York Mets this year. We'll tell you what that is next year on Fox Sports Sunday.
1: This program brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Last year, over 3 million drivers switched to Progressive. Call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or visit Progressive.com today and find out if you could save. Fox Sports Sunday
0: on Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Bayer. Glad to have you with us as we wrap things up on this 5th of August. The New York Mets, Mike, 45-63, 16 games back of first-place Philadelphia in the NL East, but apparently there was a reason to go to the ballpark as we find out in Mike Harmon's Bag of Fun.
4: A couple of quick baseball stories for you. Obviously, the Mets are terrible, and you have to suffer Mets talk with me and Jason Smith every night, (laughs) 8 to 11 Pacific, 11 to 2 Eastern time here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, But they gave away a Noah Syndergaard Thor bobblehead. That's right. They they dressed him up. They put the cape on, put the helmet on, uh, including the Mets logo. So lines around the block, people wanting to get in early attendance, uh, noted at about 37,000 in a brisk game, Whoa. under two-hours-41-minutes game. Uh, Zach Wheeler with a big effort for them, nine strikeouts and seven shutout innings to get the victory. But 37,000 people showed up to all stand in, in line and get their Thor bobblehead, currently trading for about 45 bucks on eBay. Okay. <laughs> Seems like your time would have been better spent just uh, clicking the mouse a couple of when times. When it it's
0: out, bobblehead. Seriously. Well,
4: that's just it. Always go back to the well. Bobbleheads and trolls and whatever else you need. Uh, to I just said trolls for the fun of it. Uh, the other story comes out of the National Sports Collectors Convention, big uh, baseball card guy back in the day, uh, where a group break phenomenon is what goes on now for new and vintage cards. It's certainly new releases where you're getting game used memorabilia and autographs. So. People can't afford necessarily mm-hmm. to buy the full box. It might be five hundred bucks, might be a thousand bucks, whatever the case is. So you buy a slot as it's broken. So if there's ten cards, you get the eight, you'll get the eighth card in the brick of cards as that pack gets open. Well, they did that with a company called Vintage Breaks, five hundred bucks a pop to try your hand at a nineteen fifty-five Bowman pack. Now mm. those are the vintage cards if you pull yes. those mint and can get those graded you're talking about a huge return on investment if it's the right card and even if it's a common you're still looking at you know not necessarily losing your shirt but certainly an interesting break somebody was uh lucky enough in the 19th slot of that break to get a mint Mickey Mantle so for his $500 wow. he got the nod hey by the way this he's already getting offers for 50 grand for the wow. card that he paid 500 bucks for the slot, it was graded a mint nine, one of the first to be done ever by PSA, and the first in two decades to get that grade.
0: That is amazing. That is more uh, fortuitous, I guess you could say, than hitting a parlay. Speaking of which, let's parlay all the time. A week ago, Ryan Dennis, Mike Harmon, and myself tried to pick who was going to win the Hall of Fame game, who had the longest speech at the Hall of Fame ceremony, and would Sam Darnold and Roquan Smith be signed? Well, the Ravens won. Ray Lewis had the longest speech. And Roquan Smith remains unsigned. How did we do a week ago? The
5: Bears, Ray Lewis, and yes on Darnold and Roquan.
4: Ravens, Ray Lewis without question, and yes.
5: I am going to go curveball. I'm going
0: to to say Bears, Bears. and I'm going to keep it with the Bears with Brian Urlacher. One. Of the rookies will be signed. The other one at this point will still be unsigned in the NFL. All right, no parlays there. Ugh. Who's going to lead the PGA Championship? How many INTs for Baker Mayfield on Thursday against the Giants? And will Roquan Smith sign this week? Ryan Dennis, your first up.
5: We're going with Rory McElroy. We're going to go with one interception and no for roquan justin rose two and yes for roquan i'm gonna go out on a limb aaron wise is gonna lead the pga championship zero
0: ints for baker mayfield let's just keep it close to the vest and roquan smith will still be a holdout when we meet again next week have a great (laughs) week everyone
3: see ya